Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 95 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk about records that were the beginning of the end for many artists. And, as always, Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct ramblers, a smooth Caribbean Ecuador in Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sunroom, and a dark oil Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigars and brands include the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great takes and notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars in Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamistran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully introduced or reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Hui and San Justo have brought their very own brand to market, and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Candela, and each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And of course, we want to mention Tobacolera USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco areas say, great things are happening here. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic blackened cigars. MED1 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The All Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find these at your local Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of shows, as well as the California studios for the Thursday Primetime show, Sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox Episode 95. We're in a late April edition of 2023. Will Cooper, I am in the Perdomo Cigar Studios. And uh, I want to say this is not the beginning of the end for us. But uh, the name <laughs> of the show is the beginning of the end. So I want to make that clear. But So joining me uh, on the other side of the planet, 
Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. No, nah, that'd be... No, yeah, we have Joe Hunter coming up. So no, yeah. I actually, you know, I thought of, someone like asked me that. Like, like jukebox. No, I said it's just the title of the show. No, no, no. So, yeah. uh, what was the, what was the last show? So you were doing best, uh, three, three in a row, albums three in a row. in a row, right? And as I was researching that, I was commenting, uh, to my wife that, um, I'm like, man, you see these albums and these, they're these albums. That just like after this album, like the band falls apart, and we called them like beginning of the end albums. Yeah, and, and even at the time when you're listening to it, you're like, uh oh. <laughs> this and, it's is not, gonna... and sometimes it's not. A, we'll get into it. We'll get into all the reasons in a little bit because there's a lot. Sometimes it's the artist's fault. Sometimes there's, there's outside forces. But yeah, um, and I thought it was like this idea. We actually put off a week doing. We had to postpone this show one week. And I was ready to go last week, but I was actually glad I had that extra week. There was a couple of things I changed and just kind of looked into a little more. Um, mm. I think I changed one artist and then I changed one of the albums from uh, because I thought it wasn't really the beginning of the end. It was actually the next one. So so I kind of went through and I'll talk about that as we go through that. So I thought it was um, I, I thought it was a brilliant exercise to do. And and I gotta thank the audience. The, the three in a row show, uh, Dave. I think now is the most downloaded show for 2023, surpassing even dedication, Ooh. which was number one. So, it, it there was a big response to that show. Is what I'm just saying. Oh, good. Well, hey, I'm glad people liked the show. We liked uh, putting it together. It was a lot of fun that one. It was. It was. And it spawned a few of these other ideas as well, which we're gonna get into. So I'm excited about this, Dave. And it's great. Oh, uh, it's great to be you know kind of doing this. Uh, so glad we were able to get this one in. So I uh, appreciate everything here. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it'll be good uh, when we talk about it. We we have um we have lots of music news today. Oh, so. we have a lot of stuff this week <clears throat> going on. Yeah, and uh, and music news that kind of complements each other, which is interesting because I yeah. saw the yeah <laughs> article you are speaking of and the uh -huh. but uh, yeah um but so if you want to email us, you can do so at. Uh, Jukebox at gmail.com. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, and brackets, Coop. All right, let's, fast and furious with the brackets. Let, let's kind of we'll bring this one right up here. Um, I'll start with me this week. Uh, I'm gonna go in uh, sort of reverse. So, the battle of the bands, we are down to the elite eight, we're into the bracket finals. Um, so let me kind of show you where we are at with this right now. Um, my bracket's boring. That's why I'm starting out with it first, right? <laughs> All right. So on my bracket, this just closed as we're recording today. Uh, it will be we're in the Elite Eight. The, it's the finals of my bracket. Ah. It is Back in Black by ACDC, which has been steamrolling through this thing, mm -hmm. taking on uh, so Peter Gabriel So, who mm. kind of has won two close matchups or two close yeah. matchups. A um, couple of observations here, Dave. Van Halen has gotten smoked in this tournament. Um, <laughs> it was two albums; they're both out. I thought Victory 150 actually had a chance to at least keep this one close. It wasn't close. Mm. And you know, I'm still. I think the Springsteen thing surprised me a bit. Yep. Because Brit Rock has been a little on the edge, but uh, I'm so I, thought, I thought Bruce might have a little backlash, but um, I'm surprised. I'm still surprised by this this final here. Is what else I say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. We did, we did that record on a, on a album archaeology. So I don't know if that helped it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if people got more of an appreciation for that record. 
I know. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that yeah. Show? We got good feedback on that. Yeah, so it's possible. So maybe that record is performing better than it would have if we didn't do that show. Yeah. Um, good but point. But no, I mean, pretty close to chalk for you. Uh, I was thinking of Back in Black the other day in the bracket, and I think all the rock bands have have a have a hard go because of Back in Black was sort of the thing that like set up all these other records. Yeah. So it's like, well, like if Back in Black goes against one, is someone like, like say the Van Halen, right? Is someone like, well, there wouldn't be a Van Halen if there wasn't a Back in Black. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh this one, okay, fifty-one fifty wasn't as strong as as nineteen eighty-four, no. which was in your bracket. Um, but nonetheless, I thought, okay, this would be maybe like a sixty-five thirty-five or something like, you know, yeah, not eighty-four percent. Um, <laughs> and Van Halen struggled with yours um, as well. Yeah, it was eliminated. I mean, this is your yeah. bracket, which went chalk. This is just this as is chalk. chalk as you can get. Yeah, yeah. This was a perfect bracket. This is the. This is this is. I was shocked. NWA pulled this over Van Halen. I, I don't know where the Van Halen fans were. No, I mean the only thing I could think of is that, you know, you're not getting a lot of crossover in voting, so it's like a clear. Like it's a clear decision. Like yeah, they're two different genres. So maybe that added to it. I mean, Appetite just destroyed Def Leppard. I, um, I, yeah, I didn't expect. Again, maybe I would have sought a a sixty five thirty five with that one. This was not close as well. But Van Halen was never in this oof. against N.W.A. No, and and uh, and and then you look at the bracket as a whole. It kind of went chalk the whole way through, didn't it? Yep. Look at even um, if you look at the percentages, but I tell you, Whitney Houston pulling forty one point two was a surprise in this thing. Yeah, well, I was, yeah, I mean, and yeah, so it'll be it's it makes for a very interesting matchup because you have two monster albums that define two different genres, and so as maybe, as far apart as you can get, yeah. maybe too. So yeah, this would be interesting. Yeah, so that that that's definitely going to set up. You had like I said, you had the chalk bracket. You have the one two everything. All the favorites won in yours. Um, now going to Hector's bracket. Um, it's a bit of a, yeah. Um, the big there were two big stories in the second round. One is the Rush fans did not show up against <laughs> um, <laughs> Purple Rain, and two, the YouTube backlash is still very much in effect. That's but, crazy. Yeah, just look at that. Look at that. Look at that move though. They go from ninety five. Ninety five, the second highest insane. ever. Wait, wait. Here, I'm gonna go further, Dave, with this. They got the most votes ever. Because remember the roots got shut out completely by the Beatles? <laughs> yeah. But but Joshua Tree had more votes because there's a lot more people voting now. There were more votes for Joshua Tree than ever. And then they go in against the Beastie Boys and go down. That's crazy. That's crazy. And Hector's like, well it's simple I said still, I mean that's not a that's a good album, that Simple Minds album. Well, even so, if you don't like Josh, I mean, if you if you're anti U two, you just don't vote for that one. I would. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, but the U two, yeah, I'm just shocked with how that turned out. Such a swing. That is crazy. Yeah. Um. So it sets up again a very interest, another type of polar opposite matchup. Mm. Uh, Purple Rain and um the Beastie Boys. This is the mm. one Purple Rain's the closest to a pop album we have in the in the mm. eight, I think. We don't have any mm. pop albums really. No. The pop albums went out. Yeah. 
it's very much a, a specialized type of genre we see with this. I, you know, but this is the closest one. It's still kind of a rock album and art funk. It's a hybrid album, but yeah, but that's that's I mean, how I would say it's close... close to pop. Then, yeah, I mean, would the closest thing to a pop hit be uh, "When Doves Cry" on "Purple Rain"? Like, yeah, I would say it's things. definitely "When Doves Cry." Um, yeah, because like, I mean, all the other ones got. I mean, except for N.W.A., but. Beasties and um and uh and Appetite got a lot of radio play, but they're not pop albums. Yeah, and, so, and yeah. listen, Beasties was a mo- that License to Ill was a monster album too. Mm. This is not like, but it went up against Joshua Tree, which was a juggernaut in the. Uh, I just it's that swing is just so crazy when you look at. I it. I never saw anything like that. I said after that ninety five to four point five win, I'm like. Okay, I don't. I I think Joshua Tree will get past the Beastie Boys, right? Um, it it didn't. It didn't at all. Uh, so we have a Purple Rain Beastie Boys final for Hector mm. in his bracket. Um, and then finally, the the craziest bracket has been John's. Yeah, uh, Surgeon Man. Uh, that is that is nuts. So. I, I mean, Master I don't Puppets. Even know where to begin. I, I, look, Master Puppets. I was shocked he had that as an eight seed to begin with. Okay, I, I would have yeah. had them maybe a, you want to say a four or three maybe, um. But okay, I, I mean, I get it. He had some, you know, Sergio had some monster albums ahead of it, but destroyed mm. Bon Jovi. Uh, and becomes the eight seed that goes to the final here. And a lot of people think uh, it, it has a shot against ZZ Top, which this one, you know, when I, mm, I look at it on paper man. and I'm shocked, but I then guess. I look at our audience and I'm like, maybe not, because we have a lot of people vote from the Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma area, and ZZ Top's pretty big there. So yeah, it's surprising. I mean, that. I mean, I don't think ZZ Top is going to take it. Out like the the whole. I don't thing. think so either. They might think... take they might take his bracket out, but I don't. Surgeon's got a couple of things going right now. One is Metallica with the Drew Estate thing, and two is Metallica's new album. Is well, I mean, and I think and that's then, playing into this right now. Well, and then three, uh, so that that album got a huge second life with um the Stranger Things. Yes. So not necessarily that all the that the people that are voting watch Stranger Things, but um, the album itself got this huge second life of people listening to it and just a lot more press. So that could be helping helping the album as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, and then Clash going down. We did we now that's when we did do an album archaeology on that one. Mm. Uh, it didn't help. The, so the dojo. The Dojo thing certainly didn't help. Uh, like maybe Dojo Magic was in effect against U2, but certainly not uh, with the Clash here. Yeah, Dojo, where were you? Uh, he's on a beach somewhere in Central America <laughs> when this happens. Uh, Man. Uh, so if you're interested, then we're down to the Elite Eight, what it looks like. Uh, I did put a Elite Eight bracket. So you oh, look at happen. you. Yeah, yeah so here we go. The way it works is, John's gonna play me in the in in the final four because he drafted first, I drafted fourth, and then you mm-hmm. and Hector are the two three. So that's that's what you'll see. If it's not the easiest to see it here, but uh, Eliminator versus Master Puppets will play the winner of so, so by Peter Gabriel Back in Black. We got and a potential uh, Back in Black Master of Puppets showdown. Well, epic, epic metal, yeah. 
epic hard mm. rock mm. Fun, yeah mm. uh and then on the other you have another uh, stranger that that you have guns and roses taken on straight <laughs> out of compton the winner plays prince and the beastie boys a gnr prince final four matchup you know you could have in the mm. final four metallica acdc gnr guns and roses and prince that is a strong final four even though i think the, the elite eight not really how I would have expected it to turn out. No, but even if we get upsets, right? Like in those two, you could have a NWA versus Beasties, like all hip hop yeah. sort of, which is which would be interesting. So, or if you got an NWA Purple Rain or something, like it's a like that. There's a lot of interesting matchups that can come out of there. Dave, I think the like, I think the one upset that I would see maybe this two actually NWA maybe takes out GNR. And then if that Texas vote shows up again, ZZ Top takes out Metallica. I don't think Maybe. so. I think it's, I think NWA is the one if there's going to be an upset here. That would be, yeah. I mean, and that would make for an interesting matchup. But, yeah. yeah, lots of interesting matchups all around. I mean, out of all those, it's really hard to pick a favorite. Like, we went into it saying, like, uh, Purple Rain is probably the favorite. But Back in Black, man. It, That's a you know, uh, strong record there. I, I was the way I kind of chalked it is I had Purple Rain first and I had Back in Black second mm. um, if they were available. And I had um, third, I had uh, Guns N' Roses. So you got the, pretty much where it went. Um, and uh, so you yeah, kind of went pretty close. I did not have Michael Jackson. I was not taking Michael Jackson with either of oh, my first no. two picks. No. Uh, that, but Let's put it like this. Surgeon might have made the best pick with Metallica, Master of Puppets. Oh, yeah. Well, or ZZ Top, really. Like, both of those have mm -hmm. been steals. Yep. 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 So, uh, ZZ Top, again, I didn't. I thought maybe they'd go down in the first round. So, um, so we'll see what happens. I don't think Peter Gabriel's got a shot against. I have the old Brit. I have the Brit bracket here. Mm. So I have two Brits in here. Well, not two Brits. I have an Australian and a Brit. I have two non-American. Everyone's got yep. an American band in there at some point. Uh, in fact, everyone's mm. all-American except for me. I'm the only one with the foreign with the foreign artists left. Mm. So Australia's got, yeah, Australia back in black. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It, it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be I mean, whatever happens, it's making up yeah. for a great. Uh... Yeah. So, if this, when you're watching this air, um, you will be watching. It will be, you will be able to still vote on the uh, Elite Eight, the bracket finals. So, if you're watching this as it airs, the the finals will start. I'm I'm commencing the finals the day after the show mm. today that we record today. So it's on Tuesday, US. It will start those Tuesday and Wednesday will be two brackets, and then two, Thursday and Friday will be the other two. So. Uh, we are making our way into the, the nitty gritty of this tournament. Mm. Oh, tournament's looking good. Yeah, looking coming out very. It's a, it's been interesting. It's always a, to watch how this kind of patterns that happen. Uh, it's always an interesting uh thing for me. Chances are we'll get a new. I mean, one of those we've done a album archaeology on already, but chances are we'll get a new album archaeology out of it as well. Yeah, I mean, the, I, the, if it's not, or we did we did Purple Rain as well. Yeah, but I think if it's, I think if we get Purple Rain, we'll do a print, we'll do a print show on that. Mm. Um, we'll definitely do a show around prints, so we'll definitely yeah. do something. Uh, and then we could probably get Hector and John's 
input onto the Purple Rain album. Mm. So we'll have some different perspectives with that. But I would say, um, you know, and I it was interesting because on KMA that we recorded this past weekend, uh, Prince came up with ni- the song 1999. Right. And the question was asked, like, was 1999 a more impactful song then or now? And I said, I think it's much more impactful now. I said, that was really the breakthrough single for Prince. I said, mm. now people look at this and they look at it from a historical perspective, how, how you know, it was kind of a prophetic, it was kind of some prophetic elements mm. in that thing. So I think much more now it's appreciated. So there's mm. a lot we could talk about with Prince, certainly. Oh, definitely. Yep. Um, um, let me, can I mention one more thing? Um, yep. It's not in the news, but I got back from my trip from Minneapolis. Um, I was in Minneapolis last week. And uh, I think I uh, mentioned to you that they're, uh, Prince is going to be getting a highway. It looks like it's going through yeah. the legislator, uh, the Prince Rogers Nelson Highway, and they're going to put purple road signs on it. Nice. So, uh, yep. As well as should. I, I, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I fell in love with Minneapolis again. 90 degrees it was, Dave. Oh, Just was it? 90 degrees it was. Pretty it was like, good. It was snow humidity. It was beautiful, and we went. So I, I hung out with Matt and Garrett again. We went to uh, we went to the the uh, store owned by Jeff Hogan of Crux Cigars, great store, uh, tobacco grow. Oh yep, yep. So yep, I uh, would have went a little far for you to go to because it's up in the yes, northwest that's... northwest part of Minneapolis, and you were coming from like, ah. the southeast. But yeah, well, next time, hopefully, when it's warmer. Next time. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yep. Um, we have we have we other have news. To... We have two complimentary stories. So yeah. one broke after the other. Yeah. So I got so we were talking about beginning of the end. And uh and Mick Mars, Mars, one of the founding members of Motley after, Crew. Yep. Uh is suing the band Coop. So Motley Crew is still around. They mainly just like tour and stuff now, I think. Right. Um and they say that he retired, and so they kind of gave him a severance and then like Stop paying him, essentially. He said that he only retired from, like, because he has some sort of uh, degenerative illness or something where he can't, like, go on long travel, the tours and that. So he said that he only retired from long tours, but said he could do still do stuff like buy where he lived, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and said and said that the band owes him money, and then the band said, "Well, actually, he owes us money." Um, and then there's this whole deposition thing where he said that the band uh, accused the band of not playing live on stage. They said, "Well, he always would play the wrong chords to songs and would wouldn't get the songs right," and it's just this like disaster, um, between Mick Myers and the rest of the band. So it's just weird. And the court, I mean, really, the only interesting thing about the court case is just the band sort of like spilling, spilling the tea on each other, really. Yep. Um, uh, and in all of this, there, there's uh, there's some new Motley Crue news that Coop has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is on the other end of the spectrum. By the way, with that story, this is why the music industry is almost as bad as the cigar industry when it comes to press release. Oh, yeah. Do a press release if the guy's retiring, right? If you're doing a press release, and do if you're going to say the guy's retiring, then do a press release on it, right? This is why you do a press release, right? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> so, but anyway. Uh, by the way, Mick Mars, most underrated guy in Martley Crew, for sure, uh, my book. Mm. Really talented. Uh, but on the other end, um, Dolly Parton, 
is um making true on her promise, putting together her uh her rock album. She said, you know, mm. again the rock and roll family do a rock album. So um she has got this this rock album's tentatively titled Rock Star. Okay. And I think we mentioned um, you know, she's got some very you know, she's working with um uh what's his face from Judas Priest uh all right. Yep. Yep. Why am I? I'm brain farting here. But but another name from Motley Crue is surfaced uh, as a bass player on the album, and the the uh, the name is Nikki Six. Is recently yes. revealed that uh, it was recently revealed he has played bass guitar on one of the songs. They haven't. Uh, and uh, according to Dolly Parton, Six's wife Courtney says Six played his butt off on her upcoming album. So um, you know. Really, uh, really, um, good job there by, uh, you know, Dolly's just definitely making true on that promise right now. Um, mm. so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like that, that was interesting. This all happened, um, um, you know, Rob Halford, by the way, I just, well, I was just oh, playing farting. I'm thinking of Rob Hetfield, you know, James Hetfield, oh, Rob Hetfield. I'm getting all this in my head mixed. Yeah. Rob. There's a Rob Dietrich, James Hetfield with Metallica, the Metallica M81. Yes, right. Rob Halford. Oh, okay. there you go. There okay, you so go. that's why I was getting all confused. Yeah. So yeah, that's good news as far as uh, you as a Dolly fan. Um, yeah. Yeah, should see that. Um, now I don't know when that album is actually slated to come out. I, I, I'm gonna guess it comes out before the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, if if they're talking about him playing on it, then. They're probably in the like, maybe close to post production. So maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. by the end of the year. Exactly. Uh, with, um, you know, the minimum, like maybe they drop another single towards the end of the year. Mm. So we'll see. What oh, happens. that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, no, it'd be interesting to see if she has on it, like if she has, uh, modern rock people as well. Um, and, and it'd be interesting to see who kind of comes to the. I'm still wondering if Duran Duran's going to be on it, and I haven't quite. I mean, maybe I mean, I don't know. I mean, they they, I think. What what when she makes the the announcement of the record, like this is sort of a teaser. Um, yeah. But I think when when she actually announces it, usually they announce like, you know, and she's collaborating with, and they'll list off everybody. So yeah. Um. Hopefully in the next month or so we'll get to something like that. Let me ask you a um, question on this, Dave. Okay, mm -hmm. does okay Nikki Six working with Dolly Parton? Does that get the Motley Crue fan to check this out, or does that get the Dolly fan more interested? I ain't a Dolly fan to be honest. Yeah, I, I think so um, too. Yeah, just like because I know as a Dolly fan, I hear that and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what that's gonna sound yeah. like. Um, whereas maybe a Motley Crue fan. Just, I mean, I think if you're a Motley Crue fan by now, like I don't think, I don't think you go into Dolly Parton at all, really. Like I think yep. you're just listening to Motley Crue, and that's about it. Yep, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, for me, this 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 song, this album could go either way. It could either be really interesting, and she's doing new stuff, like when she went more pop on like Nine to Five, or it could it could be really bad. So we right. we'll see which way it goes. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, 
but yeah, interesting that there's a lot of Motley Crue news for some reason. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. The tuner must be interested in that. Yeah. Oh, uh. Um, cigar news, Coop. What's up? What's going on? Um, so a couple of things I'll just say. Um, AJ Fernandez cigars is returning to the trade show this year. They missed mm-hmm. last year. Uh, they're coming back. This is following STG coming back to the trade show. Uh, I do have a boost confirmation for them, and they have a pretty large boost. So good to have AJ Fernandez back at the trade show. I don't know if AJ's coming himself or not, but he usually is there when when that happens. Uh, there was some people news that happened. Um, mm. Alec and Bradley Rubin has officially joined uh, STG. Yeah, I saw so that. Uh, Alec is going to be a brand manager. It looks like he's also going to be focused on like collaborations with spirits companies. Mm. Bradley's essentially going to become the face of this brand. So Bradley's going to be the okay. brand guy. So Bradley's going to be the guy you're going to probably see now as the face of the brand. And I think he's it's a role he wants with that. And he'll still have mm. a lot of input in packaging and marketing, which I know is something he's really into. And then John mm. Lipson, who is actually the marketing manager over at Alec Bradley, he's also going over the brand manager. Lipson's a really talented kid. Um, and I think he's All a respo- right. I think he has had a lot of input to Alec Bradley kind of getting off the now or never list. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. So good news for them. They'll still be all involved in the industry. And then the other news was uh, Jose Blanco is now going to be Fuente's new worldwide ambassador. So, mm. um, you know, he was serving as director of sales for the Eastern Hemisphere, but he was okay. really serving as an like he wasn't doing spreadsheets. He was basically going out, meeting with customers, fostering relationships, doing events. Um, and now in the worldwide ambassador role, he's, he's going to be doing that, not just in the Eastern Hemisphere, but in the U.S. as well. So. We'll right, be, okay. be seeing Jose Blanco more in the States, uh, which is good news. And he did not tell me this, by the way. I, I found out, like, he, Jose, Jose loves to talk about everyone in the cigar industry. But when it comes to himself, mm-hmm. he is, and Fuente, I got to say, he is a loyal soldier. He he does not, he just keeps quiet on that. And he was on my show and didn't even say this, so. Right. So this was, uh, yeah, this was Jose, uh, but I'm glad. I'm really glad for Jose. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the States, so. Mm. So good news. Um, bad news is he was Eastern Hemisphere and he didn't get to Australia. He said he no. moved to Australia when I asked. Well, him. I mean, Australia is the best cigar country. No, I know. I just want if anyone can, if anyone maybe can get that country, you know, Jose. No, Come on, yeah. Jose, we're all some feathers there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's the cigar news right now. We're starting to see some PCA stuff. Uh, mm, probably over the next mm, few weeks, yeah. we're, we're we're a little outside sixty days off the trade show. Probably about seventy five days right now. So stay tuned on that. My I just bought my point ticket for PCA last night. Oh, nice, so, yep. nice, yep. Um, developing palettes. So they I so this is a bit older because um we we postponed the show a bit, but uh, what well, they're talking about some West Tampa cigar that Eric gave us six point one. Like have you had? I have not heard of this cigar. Have you had this? That am I missing? What am I missing? Um. So these are the cigars being done by Rick Rodriguez, who used to be with CAO, and he yeah. ventured off to start his own company. I have not been as high on these cigars. Um, and I was shocked to see Aaron give. Now I haven't reviewed the cigar that Aaron reviewed, which was the Attic cigar, and that's the one that got a a six point one. Um, yeah. but this was what was interesting. Um, and this came up the developing palettes guys were on with Bear last night, um, on his show. And 
they reviewed for this cigar that they're talking about. They reviewed yep. a cigar, and it's called the West Tampa Attic Series, as in a house attic. The Attic oh, Series, right, yeah. Attic, Attic, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the same name as the, the Attic Series, a limited edition line. The attic Series, Attic, yeah. And the Attic is the first cigar in that limited series. But the whole debate came up is you couldn't come up with another name. You're naming the series <laughs> and that. So you know that came up in the in the in the review of that last night too. But I was shocked to see Aaron give that a six point one, um, yeah. which was actually the high score. Tuna absolutely destroyed this cigar with a mm. four point six, uh, and John also destroyed it with a five point one five. But Aaron had construction issues. Aaron, Aaron wrote, uh, "It wasn't very interesting after the first third, is what he said. I don't see this as a cigar I'd come back to with any frequency, but." I think it must, It looks like when I looked at the scoring breakdown with Aaron, it did very well in the first third, and that's probably what did it. But Tuna mm -hmm. had it sub. Here was the injury. Aaron went from good to average. Good in the first third, average in the remainder. Seth went from subpar to average. Mm. And John went from good to average in the first third, and June was average the whole way through. Uh, the And here's the other thing. Like, uh, John and Seth had poor burns, but June and Aaron had amazing burns. So this is one of those reviews. I think it's. I always love when they get reviews like this. It's yeah. definitely worth checking this one out. This was a good pick you had, by the way. It's... I see, and what gets me is like Aaron has six point one. He's like, ah, I might come back to it. I might it's come like, back wow, to it. That no. is a... You know what I saw posted the other day? I don't know if he, I don't know if it's him posting, but this is the guys that, that Coop and I are trying to get our hands on <clears throat> to do for the show. But he was having, someone for DP was having the Yacht Rock. Yeah, um, the Yacht Rock, um, and that's the one that's the infused Kohler flavor. I think that was Aaron who was smoking Yeah, it. yeah, I don't know. Um, that, we're, we're that, I have had there. the Yacht Rock. I have had it, but I don't have, I have to get some. This, and I'll have to get some to send. Because it's an interesting. We haven't done flavored stuff, Dave, but it's an oh. interesting flavored cigar. Is what I'm going to say. And not just that, but like the show, the show writes itself. Yacht Rock, the, the, the Yacht Rock. We yeah. do the Yacht Rock. So yeah, I will put that on the list to make sure that I I close the. I I'll talk to <laughs> I'll talk to Justin from STJ. Is it another one like? Is it another one like the Ski Chalet or something? Ski Chalet, yeah. <laughs> so Justin was on with us on Thursday night, and. I don't know if this came out on the show or not, but there were reasons for those stupid names. Not mm. the, okay, let's say there were reasons for those names. Unique, yeah. Yeah. What they didn't want to do is they didn't want to put the flavor in there with yeah, the yeah, fear yeah. of the FDA basically squashing it. So, that makes but sense. yeah, so they put they came up with these creative. Names. I love the packaging on these. And by the way, for the price point, these cigars are not bad. Pack okay. Packaging is amazing. Yeah. Packaging. Yeah. So we should, because we, it'd be cool to do a Yacht Rock show. I agree. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got to track some, like Fiverr yeah. or something. I got to yeah. track, track them down. Well, I'll talk to, yeah, I'll, I'll also take that as a to do to make sure we get those. Yeah. Because I, I did try the Yacht Rock one. It was a sample given to me. I only had one. And I'm like, it is a good cigar. So, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Agree. Uh, that, that that goes into what we're smoking, Coop. Now, I was trying to think of, could I get a beginning of the end cigar? So, like, a cigar for a brand that maybe, like, went away or whatever, but I, I didn't have any. And 
So what I'm doing is this is the guy I've been trying to have on the show for a while now, but I finally got um, the selling out. So I don't know if you can get much right now, but it's the Phosphoro. The uh, Phosphoro, I think I have like a Corona. Yeah. That's a good cigar. Or maybe a Robusto, maybe. That's a good, and by the way, it's made by the same factory of the West Tampa, but it's a good cigar. Is it? So I've had the like Gordos, like the 6x60 that I've liked. And I wanted to feature it on the show. So these are the only kind of sizes that I got these from from uh, Hustler. These are the only sizes he had left at the time. He's distributing so, yeah. them. He's distributing them, by the way, too. Interesting brand. Um, I mean, I haven't had this cigar yet, so I can't really talk about this one. Nice looking wrapper. It always gets me how much the branding looks like Roma Craft. It just gets it, me. I'm surprised. And look, it's not being made by Skip. I think Skip's no. friends with the guy. I'm shocked that Skip hasn't said something. And but you know, I'm not trying to. I'm not like trying to pick on like Skip. The, that looks like, like even I, the even the like font and everything. The whole thing looked like Roma Craft. I, I'm sorry yeah. to Jeff to say that because he's a good guy, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm shocked that Skip had, unless Skip signed off. I don't want to say what happened. Yeah. I'm just shocked that that just looks. I mean. Because the cigar is a good cigar. Jeff's a good dude. Mike's a good dude. I'm just shocked on that one. I'm very excited to try it. This this Fatola. I'm very excited. Yeah. But Jeff gave me one was in Nicaragua, and I thought it was a really good cigar. Well, I'm glad, too, that I am that I got one in time for the show, because I really want to feature yeah. it for people. And Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of buzz about it. So. Yeah. What do you got, Coop? Um, so I decided to totally not go with a cigar from beginning to the end. Because, uh, and I'll talk about because this has inspired a show with Bear and I, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but I kind of went with a new beginning, and uh, this is the La Aurora Hordage. Uh, it's a cigar that they release every so often. Uh, it's a very premium cigar that they have in their portfolio, um, because it uh, it basically is um, it's a limited edition. It comes out, um, I want to say, once every year, every two years. And basically, this is a cigar that's gone through, they say it goes through a 12-year cycle from the time the tobacco seeds are planted to the time it, the cigar reaches its customers. Um, and the reason why I picked this is La Aurora has just now launched a U.S. distribution, and this is kind of the first release of that. But I don't think it's the beginning of the end, so I want to make that clear. Now, Bear and I are doing a show this week inspired from this show. Yep. But we're not doing the beginning of the. We're not. The, we're not doing. No, I should say it was inspired by more the three, the three, the three. Yeah, in a row. Right, 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 right. But a little bit of this as well, because so it was a little combination of both, right? But we couldn't say. Really, when we looked at the beginning of the end, it was like, well, we basically saying company's done, right? Yes. We kind of have now or never for that. We kind of have now or never for that already. So we kind of pivoted a bit and we, we focused it. Okay, instead of doing three in a row. We're looking at sophomore cigars and seeing if there's a sophomore jinx or not. So, you know, like a good example, Headley Grange by Crown Head. Was that a, a boom or a bust? So we're going to do something like that. It was kind of inspired oh, from this right, one right, right, yeah, right, as well. Right, right. Well, oh, but this is a very good cigar, by the way. It's not a cheap cigar. I want to say this is 20 plus dollars, um, but it's a very good cigar. I've had this. Uh, I'm glad to see Law Aurora come out with that. Um, and... Uh, you know, enjoyable cigar for sure. Mm, no, I'm, I'm very, uh, yeah, I like Loud Roar a lot. I do too. Um, they've had a tough go the last couple of years. 
Um, they brought some really good management people in and some good team members. So I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about them. We don't talk enough about Laura on the show, and that's why I picked them. But this is not the beginning of the end. If anything, I am very optimistic of the new beginning of Laura with their own distribution companies and their own team now here, which they haven't had. So I think it's a good thing. You know what else is a good thing, Coop? I'm yes. Excited for that show. I'm excited for that show that you guys are doing, by the way. Oh, good. Um, no. Oh, that's that'd be a tough one. Um, let's talk beginning to the end. Let's talk about it, Coop. Let's talk about it. we we've been kind of uh, you know hemming and hawing. I, mean, I, I, think, I think I think everybody has had this discussion as a music fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a classic shirt by the Onion, a newspaper in Madison that said, uh, "I like their." old stuff better than their new stuff right and it's like it's the classic you know discussion about where the bands went wrong whatever so i have some categories of beginning and the end that i'm going to touch on a lot of these in my songs i picked so one of them so a lot of these two to the listener a lot of these i haven't picked because they're bad records but it's the beginning of the end some of these records we're picking tonight are great great. records you're gonna see yeah it's but not it's the like, one. It's ooh, not the record that yeah. bombed. It's the one before the record that bombed mm. that gave us so, the hints. Yeah, the, yeah. The hints, yeah. So one category I have is the last good record that destroys the band. Right. So it's like the idea that the band put so much creative energy in this record that all these tensions arose and and just all the all that went into making that record good just killed the band. Uh, and there's a couple records like that. Um, another one is uh, the band couldn't keep up with the times. Or goes the wrong way, like mm-hmm. decides decides to change, and that wasn't a good move, or like doesn't change, yep. and their sound kind of has moved on. Um, this is a good one. This is really interesting. Key member leaves the band and they're directionless. So, yep. I have one on here with that. So, like a key member will leave. I mean, you can think of like when the Smiths sort of like just disbanded, really. right? But like. You think of a key member leaves, like you think of kind of, I don't have it on here and you don't either, so I'll bring it up. So like Talking Heads, like um, like David Byrne leaves and they put out a record without Byrne and it's just a disaster. Yep. Um, and it's sort of that sort of thing. The band's directionless without that member. Maybe they put out one more good album, but that's about it. Um, I have Unforeseen Circumstances. So a couple of them it could be Illness. It could be uh, an un you know, foreseen death or something that yep. that ends up being their last record unbeknownst to like fans or anything. Sometimes too, like rehab plays into that. So like maybe they go into rehab and they just don't put out music after that. Or, right. Um, so it's sort of uh, something like that. Um, you know, the band is done. You can hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's like, you're like, Ooh, yep. this is not going well. Um, and the last one, is a dividing line for two groups of fans. And this is a very subjective one. Uh, and I have one on here from that. It's sort of like, for one group of fans, it's the beginning of the end. But for another group of fans, it's like uh, the beginning of something great, if that makes sense. So like, yeah. for for maybe for me, it's like, oh, this band that I loved is now it's over because they're going to move this way. But then there's another group of fans that say, no, actually, when they... After that album, they made some of their best music ever. So it's a very sort of subjective line, that one. Yep. Um, 
but the other ones are a bit more objective because you could see like the sales drop and stuff like that. Yep. But that the last one's a bit more subjective. Yep. Um, what do you think, Coop? How about for you, like when you're thinking beginning of the end? Yeah, I um, I'm gonna add to your points. I think I have the first five on all mine. I go well, with mm. the first five are covered with my eight. I don't know if I have a number six. Oh, uh, that's yeah. an interesting one. Uh, I'll, I'll have to kind of, I, you know, we'll see as as it goes on. Maybe we can make an argument for that. But but yeah, I think you nailed it. So I went with two categories. Sometimes it's the music, and sometimes it's not. Right? <laughs> yeah. So sometimes the album just sucks. That follow it, it, it. It's just sometimes it's that simple. But I think sometimes it's a lot of what you're saying too is that there's, um, you'll see with one of my examples, the times really changed, uh, yeah. with the, with the and they got caught up in it, and then there's one I think actually where the album sucked and the times changed, right? Yeah. So so but yeah, some yeah. of this, but some so you know there's points that are it's not the music. I think the producer sometimes is a key role in this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's one band when the producer was gone, never recovered. Yeah, producer's uh, very important. We should yeah. do, did we do a producer show? We should do a producer we, show. We've been talking about doing a producer show. I know we haven't done it yet. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, sometimes it's a record company, and there's a lot of politics mm. with the record company going on with it. Mm. Uh, and then this is a double-edged sword, airplay. So what I mean by airplay is when it's being played on the mm. radio. Mm-hmm. Actually, it could be a double-edged sword negative. You can get your song played on the radio so much that you it exhausts you, exasperates you, and you don't want to hear mm. the next album. Or you can't get the song played on the mm. radio. So it, that works both ways with that. I think I have you know a couple of those going in there. So that is a very interesting point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there you could you I notice some that. bands that they just overplayed the song. Mm. Um, and you'll see when we get into that. I think there's it's hurt. Uh, it's hurt a lot. I know my first one's going to be in that category. I love that. I never thought of that. Yeah, and that's an excellent point, and that's why you're on the show, Coop, because of that. that <laughs> I, br- I have to I bring. Mean, uh, yeah, I have to bring something. I think of the song that immediately comes to mind, and none of us have it, but I wish I put it on here now. Is uh, "Built This City" by uh, Airplane or Jefferson Airplane? Yep, whatever they're calling the, themselves. Well, actually, D Starship. By the way, yeah. I love that. I love that song. But, but it, it killed the band, it, man. It killed the band. It got overplayed. It got overplayed. The, it was. It shouldn't have been over. You, you know why that got overplayed in the U.S.? Because the record companies did customized versions of that, right? So there was some for like it was. I think the song was written for San Francisco, but then they wrote like they sent out like custom versions for different radio stations to play in their city, like Cleveland and New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everyone played it. Right, that's what happened. Everyone played it, and then what happened? It was overplayed. Killed it. it killed, killed the band, it. man. I it mean, killed, that fits right and right near. It, it, it your did, thing. and it's not, and, and it's it's beleaguered that song to this day. And it's a, I gotta say, it's a good song. It's a pop song. It's not a Jefferson Airplane song, but a good song. What I love about that point, and we could do a whole show on that point, and why I love it so much, and why you're the best, is because. Like it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because you think like, oh, you get more radio play, like it's it's good for the band, but actually, like, there's it's a bad. sweet spot, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. There was this song called "Feelings" in the 1970s. It oh, got overplayed yeah. on every radio station. Then it got overplayed on the Gong Show. On top of that, where they did a whole yeah. show about it, and the song was just vilified. But it was actually for a while a big hit song, and then now people just they didn't want to hear it again because. The whole gong show was making fun of it because it, it was they did a whole show on it and everyone was sick of it by that point. So there was kind of like, yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Because that's the thing. It starts out as a hit, and then you just sort of you just sort of push it that little yep. bit too far. Yep. yep. Oh, great! Wait, Coop. I'm excited for that. Yeah, um, we have to look at that one. Yeah, for sure. We see what we do for our audience. We do these shows, and then we come up with other shows that are ancillary shows. It, shows. It's a good thing. It's fun to do that. That's why we have a lot of fun doing this. Uh, but this, but you're saying this sort of fits in your first one, so let's just kick it off. Okay. Uh, the artist is Brian Adams. Uh, the album that uh, was the beginning of the end for him was actually, again, one of his most successful albums, mm -hmm. Waking Up the Neighbors. So let See, me that's just. What I, that's what I, oh, sorry. I was going to say, that's what I thought when I saw your notes. I'm like, wow, this is a big album, too. Yeah. Yeah, but, but okay, here's what happened. So mm -hmm. Brian Adams in, in the 80s had this rise, and it, it, it hit a peak with an album called Reckless. Amazing album, mm -hmm. but that was like an album that was he was still kind of a hard, it was kind of a harder rock album even for him, right? Then yeah. he follows it up in '87 with a with a great album, but it just didn't connect with people. Called Into the Fire, and it was kind of like a mm -hmm. Canadian version of Their Americana. It was about a lot about Canada and stuff. It was great, oh, okay. but he got away from that, right? So for this album, he basically goes and um, he goes safe, and he goes top forty. And what happens is one of the songs is picked up for the Robin Hood movie. Uh, everything mm. I do for you, it becomes a monster song, right? And it spurns a lot of other hits on the album. Um, uh, what do you call it? Can't start stop this feeling I started. Thought I got mm. died and gone to heaven. Um, a bunch of these, and um, it, the album. The songs from the singles from this album are overplayed to death. All right. Uh, mm. Especially uh, everything I do would do it for you. Ballad songs are the worst ones to overplay. Yeah. They are the worst ones to overplay because sometimes you can, with a, with a, with a faster tempo, I think it has a little more sustainability, but they, mm. they played the crap out of that song. And what happens? Um, a couple of things happen with this. This album's a huge hit, but I think it yeah. suffers from some overplaying. Mm. Top 40 is coming to an end. And I think we talked about, we did the show where Top 40 mm. starts, mm -hmm. it's on its way out, right? And this is where some mm. of the grunge movement came in. Mm. Um, and then Brian Adams puts out an album called 18 Till I'll Die, which it actually did well in Europe, but it did terrible in the Americas. Um, he, he basically, it was an album where he couldn't figure out what he wanted to do. If he wanted to be a hard rocker or a pop star, people were sick of the, I think the previous album and, mm. uh, you know, the safe zone for music was no longer a way you could cash in on a hit. So 18 till I die was not a hit in the U S uh, and Brian yeah. has never had a monster album after waking up the neighbors again. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. I, I picked, I know I mentioned, um, I know I mentioned uh, everything I do do for you, but I did pick a song I like called "Thought I Died and Gone to Heaven." It's a fantastic mm. song. It's kind of like Brian Adams' last hurrah, you know, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of that raspy voice, kind of those anthemic type of uh, vocals and you know music. So I, I picked that. But yeah, waking up the neighbors. If, if can anyone name a Brian Adams song after that? Is my question. It's no. Probably very hard. I would say no. Yeah, so I mean I maybe. Well, he came back recently with the album, didn't he? Like he maybe... did. He did, but uh, you know, 
his days of being like yeah really yeah that's, I mean that's the yeah well, we're over I mean this was he never had anything close to this again uh, I know he did the MTV Unplugged album and had one song I think it made the top forty but he uh, I've seen him in concerts ever he's great my son and I've seen him several times in concert he's great in concert. Um, but mm. yeah, th- that was the beginning. Not, that was 1991, yeah. by the way, waking up the neighbors. Ooh. Yeah. Oh yeah, bad year to come out with the. Uh... Well, you talk again. That's when everything was changing. We talked about how mm-hmm. big a year 1991 was. Yeah, exactly. Bad year, but he was able to sustain it. But when some of the other revolutionary stuff happened, that's when it all changed. After that, that's sort of the same thing happened to Ozzy Osbourne. He came out with like No More Tears or whatever it is. Yeah. And then that—that's yeah. about it. Oh, I should yeah. put that on here. Um, oh, this is nice. a good one. You—you you picked a great one for this one. All right. <laughs> so, some of them you kind of know at the time, right? When they come out. And so, my first one is one like that. This was sort of talked about at the time as like, ooh, I don't know. And it's uh, Aerosmith's "Pump." I couldn't agree more with this one. <laughs> this is a great pick. Absolutely, "Pump." So now they'll they'll we'll have one more um record that's get gets good sales, so get a grip, gets good sales. Uh but the writing was on the wall with this record. Um and, and I think this record for me, Coop, falls into the kind of like what you're talking about, this falls to the category of they, they they couldn't change with the times. Nope, yeah. So uh yeah, like even when this came out, I remember talking to people and the note I have is it felt like their sound was getting dated as it was being released. So it was it's it was a dated sort of like late 70s rock sound at the time. And then when you go into the 90s, like Coop said, like you could you can't like with Nirvana and Pearl Jam. I mean, Metallica's black album is in there. Appetite just happened like th- you can't be putting out this sort of stuff and hoping to get get radio play i mean they had they had a couple hits because of movies on get a grip but that was it and they they couldn't keep up in the 90s and they just fell fell off the face of the earth yeah um so th- and this is sort of even though like i said get a grip had some good s- singles on it and sold some big sales this was the beginning of the end because you could kind of see it coming that like they weren't it wasn't changing up enough and it was kind of even at the time People are like, ooh, I don't know how many more albums Aerosmith has left. Yeah, Dave. Um, yeah, I yeah. agree with you on this. Yeah. You know, Permanent Vacation was the album before this, and that was the post-Run uh, DMC thing, right? Yeah. Great album. This one, when you yeah, put yeah. a song, when you when you have Love in an Elevator on here, I, yeah. I just <laughs> knew it was. And I know that's, that's not the song you picked, right? Well, I'll give you a chance no. to pick this song. But... Um, you pick love in an elevator, which was it just sounded tired to me. Um, yeah. what I'll say about this, I want you to remember the producer of this was again, we're talking about producers, Bruce Fairburn, who's mm. done a very good job with Aerosmith, I thought. Um, mm. and he, he he did albums after this, right? I just want you to remember that name, he's gonna come up later with me. With it, yeah, with, I mean, they just come up later with it, yeah, they just, they just couldn't adapt, I don't think. No. Um, the song now. I was gonna pick "Love in an Elevator" because that is the ultimate beginning of the end song. Like you're like, uh oh. I actually tried but to pick good songs. I actually tried to pick good songs. I did too. Yeah. So I picked. I picked "Janie's Got a Gun." Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I actually like that song. Uh, it's a nice track. Uh, but I think 
I think as a band, they just could not get out of the late seventies, early eighties, and yeah. they just couldn't do it. And and that's what we got. So yeah, pump. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh pump. <laughs> man, loving an elevator, man. Loving an what, elevator. What going, I mean, when, what was going on? When, when like, what I, happened? I'm like, I mean, because you know, permanent vacation was like the completion of this comeback, you know? Uh, yeah. Dude looks like a lady, uh, Angel, Ragdoll. Just... Yeah, Ragdoll. Ragdoll's yeah, a great yeah. song. Ragdoll's a great song. Uh, I mean, yeah. And I think, again, you kind of look at this, uh, because Get a Grip comes out in 93, and again, we go through this big transition where songs like Love in an Elevator, right, are not going to translate to 1993 by this point. No. Uh, I mean, any, I think, yeah. 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 I mean, the whole the whole thing about the music that's popular then is that the reason it's popular is that it's, I mean, like like punk to disco, it's like a response to that song. Right. Like, I agree. It is the is try to be anti that song. Yep. And they, they couldn't they couldn't do it. Yeah. You know. Um, and you have an interesting. I am interested in this. I, next I, one here. I wonder if you're going to kill me over this one, but but I got to well, say, I mean. I like the I like the I like the album, but you can't argue like what with what you're saying. Yeah. So the album is True Colors. The artist is Cindy Lauper. Sorry, Dad, on this one, right? But I think he would agree with me on this. Okay. Um. So True Colors was her sophomore album. It follows up. She's so unusual. She's so unusual. So good an album mm. because Cindy Lauper was the girl wanting to have fun. And then she throws down, you know, there's, there's a couple of Time After Time, which is just amazing song, right? Um, so she comes up with this album, True Colors, and um, it just got away from that whole girl wanting to have fun being. Um, I understand she probably wanted to be more of a, uh, of a serious artist taken, right? Um, but I think people knew that... Um, I think people knew that this was, I just think, you know, I don't know. I just think this wasn't the answer either, right? Mm. Um, and again, she, you know, I just, I don't, I think True Colors was huge hit. Uh, there was a song called Change of Heart, which was a hit. She does a cover of What's Going On. Mm. But like I said, she gets away from the girl wanting to have fun. And then she gets further away from it with the follow-up album called The Night to Remember. A, mm. Again, a nice album. Concept, it was a conceptual album, right? Um, but as the 1980s came to a close, Glopper's act, people weren't really taking... You know, it's unfortunate. They just didn't like this direction. They always looked at... They wanted the Cindy back from season. She's so unusual. I think that mm. was the problem. People... I think the other thing, and I didn't mention this in the notes... I think MTV videos were, were starting to become less and less important right now. Mm. So you didn't have these kind of cute little uh, vignette type of film videos. Videos were kind of just starting to get boring and it was just artists performing, you know. So you don't have Cindy Lauper, you know, running around the Goonies and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. 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 So I think this was the beginning of the end for her. No, I mean, and I like the album and I love the title track of that record. Right. And uh, the song you pick, I love as well. Did you oh, say yeah. that song already? No, I didn't. Um, so again, I tried to pick a, a song I like. And this, again, was a good album, right? She does a cover of Ico Ico, which is fantastic mm. on this. Uh, it was so on, it was, it flew under the radar for whatever reason. Um, 
And but I, I thought it was a fantastic, fantastic, um, a fantastic song on this too. I mean, yeah, I just thought it was a really nice cover of it. So if you haven't heard her cover of that, you know, definitely check it out. I think it fits into the uh, uh, the band can't keep up with the times it goes the wrong way. I mean, it's almost the opposite of Aerosmith in that maybe she tried to change her sound too early. Like Madonna sort of Madonna changes, but not right away. Like it's more gradual. What Madonna did, Madonna changed when she. I think the big change happened on. Um, what true blue? True blue. Well, she does yeah. a song and tackles a social issue, mm. and she gets attention that way. Yep. So I, you know, I don't know if Madonna do it. Live to tell was more of a, a of a power ballad, kind of maybe like yeah. your true colors. But I think True Blue's success all was around Papa Don't Preach. I think that is yeah. what made True Blue such a big hit. It wasn't Live to Tell. So had Cindy maybe tackled something a little more where people connect with the times, maybe we wouldn't be talking about the you know this being the beginning of the end. And by the way, can anyone name a Cindy Lauper song following this album? No. I mean, I'm that, sure that's Cindy Lauper fans can. Right, but... I'm sure they all die, but the average person listening to this is there like this is a great? I mean, the only one I could think of is she did a duet with Frank Sinatra, and I can't remember the name mm. of it. That's that's how. I mean, Madonna too. She had a self-titled record, and then, um, she had, uh, like Virgin, but like Virgin, I mean, she had Material Girl on there, and so she was still quite poppy. She was still um, quite poppy. Like she went from like the dance girl wanting to have fun to the pop girl wanting to have fun. Yeah, like it was more of a. Where the, this this shift, even though yeah. I love this record, this shift maybe was too abrupt. Maybe it was. You know, I think she just. You know, I I I applaud her for not wanting to be the MTV girl. I really mm. do. Mm. I, I just don't think. I think this it just didn't hit the direction I think that people wanted. Um, and maybe you know, like I said, then she completely goes off the cliff after that. Yeah. And I can, yeah, no, good. I, I love the album, you know, but I can't argue with what happened after that. No. See, and this is where I have a look. I know I'm rooting for her to get in the Hall of Fame because my, you know, my dad knew her oh, and a lot. Yeah. But, but she only had two albums, Dave. That, yeah, I, I, I know yes. that's not enough for Hall of Fame career in my book. I mean, no. And we're gonna be but, talking about that probably in the next show. How this fans out? Yeah. Uh, speaking of a band that I, so this falls into now. I changed. I changed the the album. Um, I mean, you could pick a number of albums, really. So I got Guns N' Roses is next. Okay. Now, the album, I had Lies originally. <laughs> Lies is such a bad. Um, but I changed it to Use Your Illusion. So that comes out afterwards. This I did a couple. That's I did one, too, like that. Yeah. So go ahead. Which was. So I changed Use Your Illusion after illusion. this, right? Use Your Illusion yeah. after? Yeah. I so agree, Use Your yeah. Illusion was yeah. after this. Uh. The double album, that a huge record, lots of big singles. I mean, you could, you know, um, not as big as Appetite, but quite big when it came out. Um, very bold putting out a double album. That's very in like whatever it was, like ninety two or ninety one, whatever it was. I think it was ninety one. Yep. Um. So they follow up Lies, which Lies is just an EP. I mean, Lies really isn't even an album. Like, it's got one song on it, Patience, but 
no real new ideas, all alternative versions of old songs, a couple live tracks, one very racist, homophobic song. Uh-huh. Like, it's just a terrible, it's a bad record. So they just put that out there. Maybe they needed to, like, fulfill a record contract or something, because there's nothing really new on that. Yep. And then they do Use Your Illusion. Now, after Use Your Illusion... The reason I picked it is like they have the spaghetti incident and then the band explode. It just implodes until they come back for Chinese democracy. Um, you, you know, November but, Rain was so good, but I agree with you on on why you pulled this up. Because I think November I Rain was really a good song. Because yeah. it's almost and when we're gonna get to another band like this, yeah. But it's almost like all of their creative energy went into making this monster record. That was a huge undertaking because, like, November Rain is the song I picked. Um, but even the songs on there, like November Rain, it's an epic record because it's a double. And every song on there is an epic song. Like, November Rain is an epic song. Um, and they're changing their style a bit. They're trying all this new stuff. It's a huge record. <laughs> I mean, it probably should have been one record. Um, a lot of filler on those. Um and I think it's just like the the process of making that record just tore the band apart. And they put out the spaghetti incident, which is a, just a covers, you know, the disaster. And then the band was dead. Yep. So this sort of marks the beginning of the end in that I think sort of the train left the station in this record because it just couldn't. Like the band couldn't sustain this sort of output, and that's all they had left. And they just like imploded after that, and everybody left uh, short after that. So, so yeah, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion is beginning the end um, for them. Yep. Because even if you say, well, they made Chinese Democracy, well, it's like, well, that was what, like 12 years later or something? It was, yeah, it's a long no time. That's more, now you're on the comeback trail on that. Yeah. Uh, you picked a good song off this one, Dave. It's a it's a great song. I love November Rain. I I think it really should have been. And looking back, it probably should have been one record. But it's like you talk about vanity projects. That is a huge vanity project. Yeah. Like the cover art to the yeah. like two records and yeah. This was oh, kind of just... similar to like the Brian Adams thing. You know, Appetite for Destruction. A little bit of a downspin with lies, but then they kind of come back with "Use Your Illusion," and but that was it. Yeah, I, I, I that's why I agree with you, why I agree with your change on that. Well, I think too, like lies and spaghetti incident. I don't know their ins and outs of their contract, but those albums have like I think what one or two. I mean, lies only has a couple original songs, so yeah. I think those were just to like fulfill a contract. Yeah, like, I just, think like, it was. Too. I think it was to get another album off. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that too. So like, I, you have I, to have a certain amount of albums, I think. Or just they wanted to capitalize on... Because Appetite for Destruction came out of nowhere when that album yeah. hit. Yeah. yeah. Like, no one had heard of Guns N' Roses before that. No. And 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 both of those records are like... Spaghetti Incident might be a full LP. Lies is just an EP. And like I said, 80% of the songs are like... Just new versions of old songs. Or like yeah. live cuts. Or, I mean, they're, they're not yeah. even... I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. So yeah, there you go. So yep. so we're so we're getting some yeah heavy hitters here. Yep. Where's it? Where's the? I know there's one on. I know there's one on Coop's list that's just gonna you know he's gonna pain him as he reads it. Yeah. All right, but I'll I'll go to my next one. 
Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about this band at all on this on here. Um, okay. on the show, I don't. Oh, yeah. So the band is Night Ranger. The album yes. is Seven Wishes. So Night Ranger is really ha- rode the coattails of synth pop in the early eighties. Mm. Um, you know, and they had some success. They start off, they have a hit single off their first album, Dawn Patrol, with Don't Tell Me You Love Me. Gets a nice following. Then the second album, Midnight Madness, they put, uh, they have they have um, Sister Christian. Oh, that song is so which, good. Which, epic. I mean, love, that's, love a that life, that's, a, that's a resume maker. Um, but it was a good album. They had a couple of other songs. Um, when You Close Your Eyes is actually my favorite Night Ranger song. Off that album, and uh, you know, so again, mm. Night Rangers coming in to now we're going to 1985, and they come out with the Seven Wishes album, and there's some yep. good songs on the Seven Wishes album, um, Sentimental Street, um, Four in the Morning, um, this album's doing this album does very nicely for them, but Dave, there was signs, there was <laughs> there was signs, okay, there's, there's uh, trouble, trouble, there, in was, paradise. there were two things that happened. First thing is, it had a couple of good songs on it, and I think they wrote this coattails of Sister Christian into this album, right? Yeah, yeah. But it had a lot of weak songs. It just didn't have, um, it didn't have the, uh, it just you sensed it, like, like you just can't hit Sister Christian every time, you know. No, like four in the morning, and and uh, nice songs, but then what else was there? And then the other thing that happened is that since pop. You get past 1985, mm-hmm. that starts to go away. And you start to see artists like John Cougar Mel- or John Mellencamp, let's say now. That sound is becoming more and more popular. You see the Bruce Hornsby start on the, from a keyboard. You just start to see, um, oh, uh, you know, you start to see some of the folky rock stuff come um, mm. with Suzanne Vega and all. Night Ranger wasn't going to play well. No. So they come out, the no. next album is a disaster. Big mm. Life. Horrible song. They tried to do a, uh, a song for the movie Secret of My Success. Horrible song. Didn't keep up with the time. Bad album. Night Ranger. Other than that. Night Ranger. <laughs> Can you name another Night Ranger song after Sentimental Street on, on the seven? You cannot. They were done. They never recovered from this. Uh, it was, And I know my friend Mike Cantor growing up was the biggest Night Ranger fan. And when oh, Big yeah. Life came out, he just said it. He just said, this is terrible. He goes, what? He thought Night Ranger was, you know, he he was so, like, exasperated how bad that album was. (laughs) So, yeah, done. Done. Done Donezo. Night Ranger's done. They never were. They they still are together. And, in fact, uh, the bassist Blades had some health problems. They're still together. They're more of a touring band today. Yeah. They're more of a touring band. Sister Uh, Christian is so great. Yeah, Sister Christian becomes gets the second life in Boogie Nights, which Mm. there's another there's another one to do. Songs that got a second life. Oh, I'm writing that down, Coop. Yeah. Yeah. See, for Uh, those that don't know, Coop goes, Coop's all digital. I'm analog with my notes here. I got them right here. A little note on um a little note because we were on a Motley Crew theme tonight. Vince Neal and Tommy Lee were (laughs) um did did uh Contributed to some of the uh, songs on this. They did some. They were they were studio musicians brought in. All so, right. So uh, yeah, Vince Neil did some background vocals and Tommy Lee did some uh, drumming. So yeah. So they, you know, like I said, Night Ranger was big then, and then it was. Hey uh, man. Done. Sorry. Um, 
And then some bands, I mean, like we talked about Dolly, they really have no beginning of the end because Dolly like went through so many phases. And she put out so many records. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and no I'm sorry real... I picked Dave. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, it was four in the morning. Head. I picked four in the morning, by the way. Oh, we got too nostalgic over Sister Christian. Yeah, we got too. Yeah. Yeah, Not but you're right about Dolly. You're right about Dolly. He hasn't. There are artists. Bowie, that... was, Bowie was the same. Was Elton John? I think Elton John did lose it for a while is the difference. The problem is I didn't put Elton John in here because I never thought he had the big album either. Can on the Wind, big, probably. Yeah, big single. I, yeah, I think Wrapper Up kind of, uh, unfortunately, the duet he did with George Michael was not a good one. It was when Don't Let the Sun Come Down on I Me. Mean, but Wrapper Up was terrible. <laughs> so I mean, it's weird, though, because then he goes into like writing and does like The Lion King and stuff, and that's like massive. Then he has so the Princess Diana thing, yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird career. We should do an Elton John show. It's a strange career, yeah. really. Yeah, and yeah. and now he's done a, a hit song with uh, Britney Spears. Yeah, weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah, Elton John made our final four in the first battle of the bands. He's got a following. I can tell you that. Elton John made well, the Bad final Man Across four. the Water yeah. is a great record. Oh, that's a Goodbye yeah. Yellow Brick Road is amazing. That and, uh, too, yeah, as well. I agree. I agree. But you know, mm. the eighties and Elton John just became a singles machine. And no. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Oh, now this falls in my un unforeseen uh, circumstances. So it I got Whitney Houston. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It, it belongs on here, no question. Yeah. So I, I got Whitney Houston with Bodyguard. Um, and the reason for that is sh- kind of shortly after this in the two thousands, with a mix of drug abuse and just like abuse in general, uh, Whitney Houston largely falls off the musical map as she's trying to go to rehab, sort of sort some things out. Like, she puts out some records, but they don't really do a whole lot. Um, and then, unfortunately, she passes away in 2012. So, really, we didn't know it at the time, but kind of her last big record was that Bodyguard soundtrack. Because um, then after that, there's some records here and there, but they don't really have the same hit power and she's sort of in and out of drug abuse and and rehab and, and like doesn't have a consistent sort of presence um and and largely that falls away and then unfortunately like passes away before she could kind of have her uh come back um which i'm sure she would have had because her voice is so good yeah um so this is a lot larger and unfortunate one and this happens with a couple uh, people like I mean Lauren Hill is sort of like this like she put out this education of Lauren Hill and then had some other like life things happen to her um, which kind of brought her away from music and she's sort of making a bit of a comeback now um, but yeah and 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 the song I picked uh, well I, I will always love you which she sort of was a dolly cover but she sort of just blew up into a mega hit um, yeah but I mean and this is a sad one but sometimes this had this happens with with bands, you don't know it's sort of, I mean, Jeff Buckley was sort of like that. Like, he just starts getting big and then he passed away. I mean, Nirvana as well. Um, they might have had a another hit, but you didn't know that their last album was going to be um, in utero, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's an unfortunate thing in the uh, in the music business. But sometimes uh, you don't know it's the, the, the last album, the sort of beginning of the end until it's too late, really. Yeah. 
I had a few other things I wanted to add with this one. I think you got it right. Uh, first of all, I Will Always Love You was overplayed to death. Yeah, it was. All right. God, I love that song. Though. Um, The star song of, of mine with this was on her cover of I'm Every Woman. Chaka Khan mm. is amazing on this one. Uh, And this album actually was a mostly Whitney Houston album. It was kind of like Saturday Night Fever. It was like what she was to Saturday Night Fever with the Bee Gees. She was yep. like the lead artist. On, but there were a few others. Uh, it won the yep. Grammy. I think the mistake she made is then she goes and does another She does another soundtrack album. The Preacher's Wife one. Yep, yep. I think she needed that studio album between 92 and 96. And I think that hurt her. So, yeah. so I think, but I think the beginning of the end was already with this one. I agree with you on um on, on all your points you made. Uh, I think there were things that just happened outside of why she didn't do anything from 92 to 96 and certainly not put out a studio album until 1998. So mm. that hurt. That hurt her. There's no way around that. Things happened outside. But I think there were a few. Like I said, I, I do look at the overplaying in there and doing two soundtrack albums I don't think was cool either. And, and uh, yeah. there's an artist I'll talk about that did, sort of did that. Yeah. Mm. No, but it's, uh, and then too, like, I think, like, she just, because she put out some other records, but she just lost momentum. Um, really but uh but yeah i mean yeah unfortunately and there's another artist that kind of falls into this who's having a bit of a comeback uh but another artist sort of falls into this category that we'll talk about as well yeah all right I'm um up. I'm up. where are you where are you cool or i'm at my fourth so i'm with uh the artist oh yeah is, i'm the artist is blondie yeah, and, yeah, and the album is yeah. Auto Amer Auto American. Um, all right, this is uh Auto American comes out. I think it was nineteen eighty or eighty one. Um, and uh, it's following up a a monster hit album. It's nineteen eighty. Mm. It follows up Parallel Lines, which I think a lot of people will say is um certainly um that's probably the you know the ultimate. Told you I may disagree. Um, mm. But there was another Eat to the Beat was in between that, too. But Auto American, I look at this as uh, it was kind of the last hurrah for Blondie. Um, they had two really strong hits. Um, Rapture, which I think was more. I know you're not a fan of that song. Well, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'll go with not a fan. I don't hate yeah. it. But yeah. Yeah. Then they come out with it. It's a decent song, but it's a safe song for radio. The tide mm -hmm. is high, right? Mm. When you listen to the tide is high, it's actually a little more innovative. Like I always looked at Blondie; they were a great, innovative type of band. They did great production. Mm. It, there is good production, but the song is kind of, you know, blah. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it's not like "Call Me" or you know, oh, you know, um, it's "Heart it's, of Glass." Heart of Glass. Yeah, it, it's just it's a safe song, and then very similar to what I just talked about with us, there was just. When I mentioned some of the other stuff, like with Cindy Lauper and Night Ranger, there was mm. not a lot of other good stuff on it. Mm. Um, they crash. They come out mm. with an album in 1982 called The Hunter. Uh, mm. It was so bad, okay? Um, and, it, you know, it just, it just, I don't know how to put it. It was a disaster of an album in sales, and it was a disaster of an album in... 
uh, music. It just wasn't a, a good album. Um, mm. And, you know, I guess, again, I kind of saw some of the signs with Auto-American saying, Auto-American ain't as good as, like, you know, again, they're, they're far from where they were with Parallel Lines. But at this point, when I when some of the – that just wasn't a good overall album, even though it had a couple of, of decent yeah. songs on it, right? So they were done. They go into a 15-year hiatus after that. Now, they do come back with No, with no Exit in uh, 1999. Uh, and actually, that song uh, – they have a big hit off that song called Maria. But by that point, it's 15 years without Blonde. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're out. They're out. They were done. So you, this is the one example where maybe you can name one Blondie song after this, which is Maria. But again, mm. Blondie was, they were done after this. This was not a good album. Not up to stuff with the other albums. So, uh, And I picked Rapture, which I do like the song uh, as my song. Yeah. Mm. No, good pick. I mean, yeah, I, I just love like Heart of Glass and. Car Glass is the stuff. most amazing oh, produced song I've God. ever, I've ever heard. It may, so I'm not saying it's the greatest, but production from a production value side, that is an amazing, amazing track. Oh, it is an amazing track. Yep. Yep. Um. Now this one, oh, I this have. Is, this is a good one. Did this? They, they this was a, in the Battle of the Bands. I think this made a Battle of the Bands, if I'm not mistaken. It might have last year. It I got probably a, it did. It did for the yeah. '90s. It did. Yep. So this is Oasis with What's the Story, Morning Glory. Um, I agree with this one hundred percent. And in a couple, a couple, in a couple, in a couple um, instances, uh, I put rarely does a band's best record make the list. This does come up later. Um, but I remember even when this record came out, because everything around Nolan Liam. Gallagher, all the like outside music stuff, all the press on, on the, how they hate each other. That even when this album came out, people were like, oh, it's going to implode after this. And they put out records, but they didn't do much of anything. Right. Oh, I apart. Um, so this is one of the cases, too, where we talked about sort of like with Use Your Illusion, it's like putting out this record and the band's success from the previous record. Um, caused all these creative tensions that are probably always there anyway, but now just more people were reporting on them and it was like adding fuel to the fire uh, that like, even though they put out albums, it was really unsustainable after this. Um, and this is the last good album and kind of the beginning of the end of, of that band. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the song I picked was, uh, is interesting. Uh, don't look back in anger considering that the band like imploded because they hated each other. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, and, 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 and like, it's sort of like with Guns N' Roses and stuff, you know, they put out a great record and just that process and the stardom is it just killed it, just killed the band. They couldn't, yeah. they couldn't handle it. Those two just could not handle it, which is unfortunate because you think you'd sort it out, but they couldn't do it. That's a good pick. That's a really good pick. But I even remember when that came out. And people were like, oh, the, the brothers hate each other. And like, this is the last album. Like, even when it was out. Yeah. So, you know, um, it was the writing was kind of on the wall, really. No, I think it's a good one. And yeah, it's the last good album. And I, I mean, they're doing solo stuff now, but who knows how successful that is, to be honest. But yep. I am. I am excited for uh, this pick here. 
Oh, this is a, this is an interesting one. <laughs> Poop's got an interesting one. There's a lot I have to say on this one. <laughs> this is a good album, but it was the beginning of the end. Yep. Fleetwood Mac, Tango in the Night. Ooh, the Mac. So, oh, God. So this is a 1987 album, 10 years after Rumors. Here's what happened. Rumors, rumors explodes. Then they have two follow-up albums, Tusk and Mirage. Tusk is a very experimental album. Mirage, yeah. a little less experimental. They People had love like Tusk, man. Tusk is Tusk at the time was not appreciated. Today it's no. a different story. Yeah, when it came it is, out, yeah. it was a very polarizing album. Um, it, it was a, it, I think it was an album ahead of its time. All right, so it had pockets of success, right? That's why I didn't think it was a bomb, right? Mirage, yeah. Mirage has um, um, Gypsy on it and Hold Me. So there's a couple of songs up Mirage. They had, I will say, they had pop, they had pockets of popularity, but they really didn't have captured, um, what rumors had done. There's no way you could say that. But Tango in the Night comes out, and what it turns out was this was probably the best album they did since Rumors. Some could argue it's the second best album. Mm. Um, and kind of unlike what happened with Brian Adams when he got away from his stuff, Fleetwood Mac got it back together with this one. Um, but the bad news was this was the final. This, I think, was not a music-related thing at all because the songs were good. This was the final hurrah for the core lineup of Mick Fleetwood, John McVie, mm. Christine McVie, Stevie Nicks, and Lindsey Buckingham. Mm. Because during this album, like, right, right, right after this album came out, Lindsey Buckingham announces he's leaving. He wants to go solo. So they bring in a couple of musicians to replace him, uh, Rick Vito and Billy Burnett. They bring two guys in. I went to the Tango in the Night tour because I loved the album. The concert was so disappointing. It was clear they brought two session musicians um, to replace Lindsay. Lindsay mm. was losing Lindsay hurt, right? Yeah. Um, and they come out with this other album called Behind the Mask, and it was mm. awful. It was awful, and um, eventually, uh. Dave Mason comes in because Stevie Nicks says she's had enough. So Stevie Nicks actually left for yeah. a while. So Dave Mason comes in and he couldn't do like Dave Mason, really good kind of artist. Disaster. Christine, uh, they well, so then they get back together uh for the that album The Dance. They got back mm -hmm. together for the Clinton for the Clinton inauguration, but um they didn't stay back together. And then Lindsay starts working on an album, they do this dance album, but that was more of a live album at that point. And then Christine McVie departed. When the core line, when that legendary core lineup was mm. was broken up, that was the end. They really yeah. never did a. They never did another studio album together. They, like I said, they came back together for the dance, but that was more of a live album. So mm. they were done. I mean, Lindsay, we've talked a lot about him and how he's eventually got kicked out again. He was. <laughs> I don't think people realize how important he was to that band. He, he first of all, he songwriting. Production, doing little things like good, good, really good guitar work and background vocals. It, Dave, it showed so much when I saw the live performance uh, with these two other guys they brought in. This was like this was like they brought B B level guys in, hmm. and I I just think had they had that core lineup on the tour, maybe they would have had a little more success. Even if, but it was it was bad. It was bad, and it it got it got worse. So. Um, you know, so they were done. 
they would even though they they did release landslide again <laughs> with the dance album. Oh God. Uh one of the top Rolling Stones says, but yeah, they, they were done at this point. So uh um yeah, it was over. It was over. Can't but this is a great album. The song I picked was a Stevie Wonder track. This was probably not one of the bigger hits, but it was a re- it was played. It was a single. It's called Seven Wonders. Mm. It's the hidden gem of this album, but it was a single. Yeah. Well, you find uh, you, it, it, yeah. it, it's 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 tough work finding the the gem. Yeah, I mean, you may, you may know Big Love, Little Lies, and Everywhere as the singles, but this little, was, yeah, Little Lies, yeah, Seven Wonders. Just Stevie kills it on that with the vocals. I uh, not yeah. I got a I got a Stevie Nicks Lindsey Buckingham story for you. Oh wow! Uh, so Lindsey Buckingham, right? I mean, he she, he brought Stevie Nicks in, if I'm not, and I think he insisted mistaken. that she come in, yeah. And so he brings Stevie Nicks in. Uh, Stevie Nicks sort of changes the whole sound of the band. Yep. I mean, essentially, and and and, and in the middle of their feud, Lindsey Buckingham tells his agent, "Hey, tell him." Either Stevie goes or I go. Yep. And then he's hanging out, like, I don't know, in Tunisia or somewhere. Like, he's hanging out somewhere. Yep. And he's, he hasn't got a call from the band. Right. And, he, and he calls his manager. And he's like, yeah, when, when, are we, when are we rehearsing? Like, where am I supposed to go? And the manager's like, oh, they picked Stevie. They didn't pick you. And so he assumed that they got rid of Stevie and they just, like, lost his number to tell him where where to go and they and they punted him yeah this, and this is, is when crazy. he came back because he came back to them at that point but they hadn't recorded a studio album that was the key thing he so never recorded. Funny. yeah but but that's amazing i remember uh i think that came up on the rivals podcast if i'm not yeah mistaken. um <laughs> I, yeah, I mean like so hilarious i got the impression like i said i think all the things i said about Lindsay are true but I also got the impression he was a pain in the ass to work with, right? Oh God! And I mean, Tusk was all him. That was he pushed Tusk, and there was definitely some. It definitely caused some friction because the band wasn't album ahead of its time is what it was. They didn't. Ooh. They wanted to capitalize on rumors, and he pushes for this Tusk thing. Uh, which we got, is, another, we got so, another band like that. Yeah, I know. Coming up. Yep, we do. Oh, I love it. Oh, the, I'm excited to hear your next one. I'm going to go quickly so I can hear your... Oh, well, there's a big gonna, one coming uh, up, yeah. I can hear the... Hear but the, the, Okay, wait, I don't want to under... Wait, don't gloss this one over because I agree with this one as well. And because we talked about this, we did an album archaeology on this. So this is a good one. Oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, here, we yeah. go here we go, here we go, yeah. here we go. All right. All right, this is the classic beginning of the end. Like, this is the classic record. And that is Beach Boys with Pet Sounds. Uh, this is probably the most famous record on the list. Um, and this was like the band was already fracturing in a number of places. So Brian Wilson and Mike Love already hate each other. Yep. Brian Wilson hated the record company, hated them. Um, and it's a lot like Oasis is an amazing record that killed the band. So this is a total like Brian Wilson yeah push for all the production staff which like you were saying ahead of its time um helped inspire the sergeant pepper's record um because like john lennon and and i think john lennon and paul mccartney like heard a copy of it from someone yeah this was the whole back and forth you know and yeah the beach boy yeah it was even released i think 
And they were I like, oh so my too. god. I think, it's, I think so too. They, they showed up at a hotel or something, I remember. Yeah, they're at some party. It was, yeah. I don't know if it was a member of the band. It was one of the cousins yeah. or something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I got this. I want you to play it. And they went to some room and listened to it, like, like front to back. And they're like, oh my god. We got we to gotta up our game. <laughs> they're playing this. Uh, and that's how Sgt. Pepper's like came together. Um, but it just killed it. It just killed the band. Mike Love is like, why are we doing this? Let's do surfer music that makes me a lot of money. Let's keep doing that. And Brian Wilson was like, music is art. What are you talking about? We're done with that. This is where we're headed. And it it killed it. Killed the band. Killed them. And it killed sort of Brian Wilson's relationship with the band. And 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 you know, with music yeah. really. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk I remember when we did the Arbon Archaeology and we were looking at the amount of session musicians that were brought in for this band. It was an insane amount. I mean, the amount, no record company probably would go for today. And I'm sure they were pissed off about that as well. And, you know, they're probably going to the other, you know, they're probably going to the other guys. Oh, um, why don't you just do surfer songs? They're cheaper, you know, something like yeah. that. So well, but, that's what Mike Love's argument was. Yeah. Um, and I, guess, I mean, he had a point. They're making a lot of money off it. But Brian Wilson's like, yeah, nah. And then the, 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 the relationship with the record company was so fractured. Brian Wilson would go into meetings with like a tape recorder and a, like a cassette. Uh, and I'm like, I'm like, he'd, he'd have yes and no, like recorded on it. <laughs> and when they would ask him a question, he would just press either yes or no and like play it. Like he wouldn't even talk to the company. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it put out a great record, but it just ki- killed it. Killed the band. Like, I mean, yeah. and they come back with Kokomo to try and do some more surface stuff, which gets them a lot of money. But oh, look, oh I was going to make you go. It's a terrible song. Terrible song. It was, and it was, a, they took that, that was like a, a John Phillips leftover that they, leftover music that they got their hands on somehow. Michael, it was terrible. You know, th- what's sad is that was their number one song. The only number yeah. one song. And, and Pets, you look, the other problem that Pet Sounds had. It was an experimental album, uh, and it was going to be very hard to replicate that too. But there were so oh, yeah. many forces with this one. Why it was, and again, this was the beginning of the end for the beach. You can't argue it, that. But even though it's their and, best and, album, yeah. Oh yeah, and 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 two to get to your point. I mean, Brian Wilson was pioneering so much production stuff and like track mixing and layering that you know it was such a time-consuming album. Like it just killed them. Um. And the, the track I picked was "God Only Knows," which I think is one of the best. Oh my goodness! Songs ever written. Oh my goodness! It's uh, it's, it's so uh, good. There is a there is a the BBC did a um, a medley version with a lot of modern artists for like to celebrate their anniversary. Just incredible. Yeah. Um, and, it's Brian Wilson's ab- masterpiece. Oh, but he was gonna put out another. They're gonna put out another record, "Smile," that never really got together because has another Brian Wilson project that he then he, did. He did yeah, then he kind of released it. Yeah, he kind of released his yeah. soul. I was gonna say, yeah, but it killed it. Killed yep. him. Yeah, great record though. Oh, I agree. Now this one, you might, you might, if you're watching on YouTube, you might see a single tear roll down uh, Coop's cheek as he talks oh, yeah. about this band. Okay, so falling apart. Well, before I mention this, there's some reasons that are gonna be obvious for this, but I think there's other reasons why it, it was the beginning of the end. Um, because some may argue another album was the beginning of the end with this. Okay. Okay. Um, mm. but let me kind of say who the artist is and who, um, 
let me see what the artist is. Um, the artist is the Bee Gees, and the album mm. is Spirits Having Flown, right? Mm. And and here's the thing that um, this is where people may disagree with me on this, right? Because they may say it was Sergeant Pepper, that was the uh, the Sergeant Pepper movie soundtrack. Mm. Um, mm. but um, here here is the thing. Um, this came out after Sergeant Pepper. Okay, so Sergeant, if it had this not come out, I would have said it was Sergeant Pepper. But yeah, okay, okay, so let me let me talk about Spirits Having Flown. It was a very successful album for them. Uh, one may argue it was a worthy. The Sergeant mm. Pepper one, again, it was more of a soundtrack. Mm. So this was their real first, like I say, original and studio. It was covers, right? Too. So yep. this was their yep. first studio album, following up the Saturday Night Fever. Um. You know, explosion, and I gotta say, it was a really, really good album. Now, what people may say is the disco backlash, okay, with mm. the Bee Gees, and I do think that played into it, right? This was not a disco album by any means. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good a point, point that you make, right? Yeah. Right. So this, um, really, they go and they do more of an adult contemporary type of album, uh, mm. into it, and, um. This album, I think, was a lot of ways their creative apex, right? It did really, there were some really good songs on that album. Uh, mm. But you can't ignore the disco backlash. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But you, you just can't, yeah. you can't, you can't ignore it, is what I'm just saying. So, like sort of, yeah. Yeah. The Bee Gees start to focus on songwriting and production a little. Hmm. They come out with another studio album. They come out with a greatest hits album. Then they come out with a, a studio album, which is called Living Eyes. And this mm. is very similar to what the happened night. This was a terrible album. They by this point they were not doing anything disco, right? So I think they were I think they were afraid to touch disco. They they went and did a a, a soft rock album, right? Um mm. it was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible, and they never recovered. So, I do think part of me says the disco backlash, right? But they mm. didn't come out with another disco album really after Saturday Night Fever. So, but I think the problem is they were so tied to it, right? Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah, come yeah. out with a bad album, and it was like you know seventy seven, seventy eight. The Bee Gees were being talked about with the Beatles and Elvis Presley. By 81, you know, no one wanted to touch him. No one wanted to play him on the radio anymore. Um, but So I think Spirits Having Flown, when they moved away from the disco sound, I don't think that was in response to the disco backlash. But I think, unfortunately, you know, there wasn't enough to carry it at that point. If that Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. It makes but, sense. No, it makes okay, sense. Okay. okay. Yep. So I picked I picked a song uh, called Love, in, Love You Inside Out. It's one of my favorite Bee Gees songs. Um Again, there's a couple of they have a couple of moments after that. Um, as for, they, they do set, they do staying alive. It's terrible. They do an album called TSP, which is actually pretty big in Europe. It has a song called "You Win Again," and then they do the one album, um, which gives them a little bit of a comeback. But one, by the time one comes out, it was the end yeah. of the decade, and, and they were mm -hmm. nowhere near where they were in '77. So no, I mean, I think, think Spirit Time Flown was it. I think Spirit Time Flown yeah. was really it for the Bee Gees. Yeah, I mean, for this beginning of the end, they can they can have a bit of a comeback, but they're like they're never getting back to, yeah. 
No, it's you make a good point that like they just couldn't shake that label as a disco band. They couldn't, and then what they did was not enough. No, like they they had reinvented themselves once already when they went to this disco sound from like being coming out of like sixties rock, right? They did yeah. it once. They tried to do it again with with I think staying safe. But here's the other thing I say about spirits haven't flown. Three really good songs. Um, the other songs just never caught on. They weren't bad, but uh, but it was mm. it was still a good album for them. But this was it. They just never had an album again that would be talked about. I mean, you almost in order to like reinvent yourself like that, you almost have to take like a really big swing. You know, like I'm thinking like Bowie when he goes from rock to like sort of like electro synth and like even Dolly when she goes from like traditional country to like a full on pop album or even Taylor Swift that goes from like kind of your pop country to like a full synth pop record in 1989. Like you almost need like a like such a big swing that just going from disco to kind of like you're more adult contemporary, like it's not enough of a difference, maybe. Yeah. It's not enough of a swing there. No, I, I think you're right on that. Um and I don't know if the Bee Gees wanted to do a uh I don't know if they wanted to do another disco album either. Mm. I think that you know, I think they just felt they were they had more to offer. And I think that's why they started going the song right which by the way yeah, BG songs did very, very well in the early '80s. They, they wrote yeah, yeah, some yeah. big hits. So, so you know, but I just think for them, they couldn't get it back together after that. But I'm yeah, not ready sense. to blame it all on the disco backlash with that either. No, so no, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got one here, Coop. I got one for you. Uh huh. And this is from member of the band Leaves. Yeah, yeah. This is totally Pink, Flo- yeah. Pink Floyd. A momentary lapse of reason. Yep. The Waters left the band in 83. This record comes out, out in 87. Yep. Uh, and I put, it was evident that Floyd was on borrowed time. Totally. Totally. Um, this is it. I mean, you know, gone were the, the days of high concepts, uh, psychedelic rock. Like, they would have a few more records, but it would just meander. They had no direction. Um, this is sort of it. And they put out Pulse, I think, was a little comeback in the 90s. Right. But, I mean, Glimmer, I like Glimmer's vocals and stuff, but like without Roger Waters, the band didn't have any direction at all. You know? I mean, if you look at what was going on pre-83 to then 87, um, it was uh, it was not good after this one. Um yeah, you got, and, and this one was sort of their um, last big one that people know. I mean, if you look at it, Coop, I'm just looking at the albums right now. Um, so you look at the records, right? You go, Dark Side of the Moon is in 73. The Wall is in 79. Wish You Were Here is 75. Uh, and then they have the final cut, which is 83, which I don't know how much Waters was involved in that record. I think he was partially. And then you have Momentary Lapse of Reason, which is 87. So maybe the band has some stuff left over that they're using. And then you have like Greatest Hits and then sort of like Pulse, really. Yep. Then nothing. I mean, if you look at that lineup in the 70s with Waters, right? You go... 
Uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, The Wall. <laughs> That's pretty good. Could you? Um, yeah, maybe The Wall could have been it in this one. Because then Roger Waters leaves. Yeah, I mean, but I could see this one too. The, the, the reason I picked this one is that this is the last sort of like Floyd sounding record. Because um, Learning to Fly was the song I picked. And that was a big that was a big song that I think um, when you see the record and you hear Momentary Lapse of Reason, you're like, oh, that's that good Floyd record. But you can't really name a record after this. Except for maybe Pulse. Right. So that's why I picked this as the beginning of the end. Because after this, they were just totally lifeless, I think. I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, Learning I, I to Fly is yeah, it's the song I picked. It's probably the best song on the record. But Waters leaves, and that sort of creative energy, just the band can't recover from that, uh, yeah. in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, I, can, I definitely agree with you on that one, too. Which is too bad. And I mean, they came back recently for like some charity show and they could barely do that. It was a live, it was a live <laughs> uh, eight, I believe. Yeah. And they barely were able to do that. The rehearsals yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. They had that other album. <clears throat> I, was, I just had to look up the name of it. The final cut. Yeah. Um, And that was the, was that the last Roger Waters one? I don't know. It's sort of like when he's around leaving. Yeah, he was on that one too. But it wasn't a bad album. So I don't know how, how there were much. A lot of the tracks on that involved. album. It just wasn't a big. Yeah. It wasn't wall commercial success, but it was still good. I. That's why. Yeah, I, I think you got this one right with momentary lapse of reason for sure. But I think if you're a Floyd fan, I think if you're just a, like not a hardcore fan, but if you're just sort of like an average Floyd fan, I think you can name this record, and that's about it. And then yeah. you're done. It's like yeah. after that you go okay. Well, what about after that? You're like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The the whole um that whole um that whole live eight thing was they they couldn't they uh um I mean it was a big thing. Yeah, Gilmore came, Gilmore came back to that one, right? Yeah, Gilmore came. Gilmore and Waters came back and did stuff. Yeah, but uh, cause Gilmore said, okay, I'll do it. For the, for the 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 charity or whatever, yeah. And then it got such buzz. There was like talk about, oh, maybe do a tour. And they did like two rehearsals. And like, yeah, nah, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that was, yeah, that. it was bad. So they managed to keep it together for like that show, but the sort of like the 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 conflict between Glimmer and Waters and who wants to run the band, like you just couldn't, you could <laughs> like they couldn't get yeah. over they couldn't get over it. I mean, even I, for money. Even for like tons of money, because if they did a they did a tour, they would have made like truckloads of money. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, they survived the departure of Sid Barrett, but we talked about. The, I think there were other reasons for that. Yeah. But they couldn't survive. Roger Waters leaving the band. No, they couldn't. That was, yep. So I think you got this one right now. I look back at. I like this next one. I think this is great pick. Phenomenal pick. Oh. The artist is Phil Collins, <laughs> and the album is called uh, But Seriously, which was a really good album, okay? It was mm, Collins' yeah. fourth album, uh, followed up the big No Jacket Required. It probably did as well as that album. 
Um, and um, this is one where okay, where it worked for where it didn't work for Cindy Lauper, it worked for Phil Collins here. So you know, Phil Collins is the goofy guy, right? On no jacket required. Mm. Um, and he, you know, he has he has some success with that. Kind of like if Cindy Lauper was the girl having fun, Phil Collins was the guy having fun. But he like 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 um like Cindy um decides he mm. wants to do a serious album. Um and he he basically um he does this album called But Seriously, uh which is a really um a really good um I think it's a really good track. Um and he does a, a few things with this album. I think this is where it worked for Phil that it didn't, okay? He mm. embraces a lot of different. Instead of doing a pop album, he brings in a lot of styles and influences. He brings in R and B, some dance pop, some jazz, even a little gospel. Um, and it works. And he and he incorporates uh, a few again some of these social themes into this. Uh, there's a there's a everyone knows the song um, "Another Day in Paradise" about the homeless. Um, yeah. Then he does a song called "Colors," which no one talks about about apartheid. Uh, I mean, so he puts all this stuff in here, and this album is a a monster success. So, um, he seems like he did everything that worked, right? This album was a big success; it was probably a, mm. as well received. But ultimately, it was the beginning of the end. Oh, let me mention one thing: he brings David Crosby in too for a few of these tracks, mm. right? He starts working with David Crosby. Then he, how can I put uh -oh. it? Um, uh oh, he decides he wants to do uh, a solo album. Whoops. And what I mean by a solo album is um, he wants to do everything himself, play yes. all the instruments. He wants to do the production of this thing. He wants to make this a personal album. Um, so now you're getting away from all the things that have worked for you in the past. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're getting that's... away from your producer, Hugh Pagnum, who's great. You're getting away from your guitarist, Daryl Strummer. You're getting away from the Phoenix Horns. You're getting away from all this stuff, right? He gets a couple of hits off this. Off this, he gets a few hits off this album, but ultimately, he got people weren't buying this, right? Like, like this wasn't like this wasn't. It didn't feel like a Phil Collins album. The whole album had this doom and gloom feel to it. It was mm -hmm. just like I, I remember when I got this album, the album. Oh, the album that I'm talking about that crashed it was both sides. I, I didn't mention the album. So what followed up bus series was both sides. Doom and gloom. Phil's doing everything himself. He gets away from everything. It was it was over. To be honest with you, I didn't see the beginning of the end coming until both sides came out. And it was so bad. Because Phil basically got away from everything that worked for him in the past. Uh, even though he was able to change styles. And Phil never recovered from this. He never I mean, no one talks about no one talked about Phil Collins after after uh you know after this for the most part and these songs even that came out on um both sides uh were forgettable at best mm -hmm. um man i picked a song though from but seriously uh, mm -hmm. i wish it would rain down mm -hmm. and to me it's one of the best phil perf i mean i know everyone talks about in the air tonight um i, I know mm -hmm. people talk about that but this one I mean, it's just Phil on the vocals are so raw, especially that last part of the song. Great song. Um, but again, it was the beginning of the end because Phil really didn't do much after that. No.
Great pick. Yep. Great pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That was a bad. That was a bad move. Bad um, move. Like you cannot get away from. You could switch. You know, you get you get rid of your producer. You you and by Phil, I always thought had success because of the musicians that he would bring in. Years later, he would bring in uh, the Funk Brothers for an album, but it was a covers album at that point. And he was well past his prime by then. So yep. I mean, it, it 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 didn't sell well, but but yeah, he got away from everything that worked for him. But I think he got it to work with Cindy Cutton because um, I think Cindy, like I said, Cindy just it's, it's Phil that took a, took a smarter approach where he was able to get the serious angle to work. Mm. Then you go doom and gloom, you're done. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, you know, Dave. Even I'll make one point. Another day in paradise won the Grammy for record of yeah. the year. It was a bit of a doom and gloom song. Yeah. So, so yeah, it maybe we start. That's where I can make an argument. That great song, but people don't want the doom and gloom, Phil. They want happy. They want oh. Phil having fun. They want Phil being goofy. They want know? Miami Vice, Phil. That's what they want. They want Miami Vice, Phil. They don't want doom and gloom, Phil. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, mine. This one falls into sort of like unforeseen circumstances, and that's Missy Elliott with her record. This was a. This was an interesting one. I I didn't see this one, but it makes sense as well. So this is not a test. This is the record. It's the last studio record with big hits on it. Um, she's had a comeback with some EPs and stuff, but and some features on records or on tracks. But uh, and a mix of burnout and fatigue didn't really allow her to record as much as she liked. There are always talks of her getting the studio to put records together, but then something would happen and she'd move away from the studio, and was never really to put to, able to put together another full length LP. Uh, to that size, like she put together L- EPs and stuff, and was on tracks, but never able to kind of ha- be able to have the energy to, to put towards a full record. Um, the track I picked was "Past That Dutch," which is a pretty big track on the record. And yeah, I mean, this was like unforeseen circumstances because kind of after this, she just—I mean, uh, like I said, a mix between burnout and fatigue. She couldn't really, she didn't really wasn't able to do another studio record and it sort of just kind of um kind of fell off uh after this this is sort of the beginning of the end and for her studio for her long longer uh term studio work anyway yeah this was a yeah i agree with you on this one as well um and i think this may be why she's dragging so much on the hall of fame vote fan vote right now too i think you know i think it's just i think I think years later she will be. I think she's been in a in a, you know, you talk about peaks and valleys. I think she's a little bit in a valley right now. Yeah. And but I think maybe eventually we'll see that change. I think a little time will do that. Because it's interesting because it's not like she had a bad record. Like all no. the records she had did well. It's just that she 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 didn't have she didn't have the ability to do do the studio work. Yeah, you know this one puzzles me too. I really am puzzled by you know because like you said, this was this had some hits on it. You, I didn't see the signs of it coming, and then when you put it on there, now what you just said, it makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think that was sort of like what it was, but uh, but yeah, but it's good to see her back out there. It's just that she can't really. I don't know if she'll ever put a full studio LP out, but um, I mean maybe if she records a bit over time, but. But uh, yeah. but yes. Yeah. So who do you? Oh, 
You got some heavy hitters All right. up here. Coop. Now, there's going to be an Aaron Loomis rant in here coming up. Oy. Okay, so I'll get to that in a bit. All right. I'll talk about that. Um, The artist is Toto. Yeah. And the album is Toto 4. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Toto is the – what I they were – they won't admit it. They were the ultimate session – band session musicians yes. band yep. that's how they came together these were very highly sought after musicians uh this was obviously the fourth album that they do um and they um they knock it out of the park with toto four and they shock everyone by even getting the grammy for this award right now you have to understand toto is a session musician band and, and this is going to play I'll, I'll i'll hold up an aaron loomis piece for a bit till after i get to everything here let me focus on the album first um, the album's great, but they made a big mistake. They opted not to tour. And mm. when you have an album like this, you got to get in front of your audiences with this, right? The only, um, the only band that could ever have done that is the Beatles. That's it. Th that's the only band that's that ever do. And Prince. Prince got away with it, too. But even Prince, yeah. I think, but Prince, I think for a while struggled when he did it, right? Mm -hmm. The Beatles, but, but yeah, you, you, they made a huge mistake not touring. Yes. You, right. yes. Now, the reasons they say were that Bobby Kimball, who's the vocalist, who's got, he's more of the tenor vocalist, you know, he's the higher pitched voice. He was having drug issues and he would get fired. Mm. All right. Now, I think that was a big loss for them, right? They had to find another lead singer. Uh, and they are courting Richard Page from Mr. Mister, who Steve oh, okay. has a big friendship with. Richard mm -hmm. Page is fantastic. Lukather and Page would tour with Ringo Starr. Richard Page would have been a perfect fit for Toto to fill in for Bobby Kimball. Um, but he opts to stay with Mr. Mister. They bring in a guy named Fergie Fredrickson, and it was the album that followed up was a disaster. Hydra. Yep. Uh, yeah, terrible right. album, terrible lead vocals by by Fergie <laughs> yes. Fredrickson. Um, and there, but the beginning of the end again. I when I I remember when this album came out, and I heard that Kimball was. This is related to people leaving the band, and, but I think the not touring thing was huge. Um, it was um, it was bad. Okay, uh, it, it yes. was so bad, and yeah. And eventually, you know, Toto never recovered from this. They had one hit song called Pamela years later with Joe Williams as the lead vocalist. And they went to a whole bunch of lead vocalists after this, too. Which, But they were never, ever the same after Toto 4. Mm. Um, so, and Hydro was bad. So, my Aaron Loomis rant. He ripped, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, he rips the song Africa last night on the on the bear show. Oh, whoa. That's a hot take. Saying he doesn't it's a dumb it's dumb lyrics. He doesn't understand. Oh, come on. Aaron, you gotta understand on, these are session musicians, okay? That song I think was more built look, a lot of artists sometimes will put will, I think that song the lyrics were put in later on. It's a vibe um, song, man. It's a look, and I think there's a little bit of I think there's a little. It's a, look, I understand it's a little bit of a goose story, and you maybe want it more of a series. That song is is unbelievable, because I felt like, I felt like it was someone in Africa. I always felt like, you know, the person singing this was going through the African jungles, exploring. I got and that's what I was looking to get the feel for. If you're writing a song about Africa and you're in the dark jungles of Africa, that's what I felt this song did. Right? It, it, it's a it's a great, great song. Um, so, Aaron, I got to disagree with you on this one. 
Uh, I originally I picked Rosanna as my song, which I think is mm. is incredible. That's, but but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Africa here, and boy, there's some great vocals from David Page, uh, who's the keyboard player, and Bobby Kimball, who just trade lead vocals. But but this is not a bad song, Aaron. Come on, no, no. Go listen to Hydra, and then tell me. Go listen <laughs> to the Hydra album, and then you tell me this is a bad Hydra. Song. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Hydra was terrible. So. It was beginning of Toto with Toto for uh, their biggest album. They never come close to it again. Yeah. Oh no, I that's great. Yeah, I love it. I got REM Monster. Okay. Um, so I remember at the time when Monster came out, people were like, uh, "Excuse me." Um. So this one. This is when. Yeah, this one I can't disagree with you on. though. This is when REM got weird. So. This is sort of like so. Radiohead followed up OK Computer with Kid A and Amnesiac, where they got ultra weird, right? And a lot of the fans dropped off, which we sort of talked about with in the last show. Um, this was the follow up coupe to Automatic for the People. Yep, which was massive. Massive. I mean, I agree. Yeah, I probably agree I, with this pick. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, there's some tracks in here. You're like, yeah, this is the old REM, and there's other tracks. You're like, what is this? It's just like the weird production stuff and like huh this is when michael stipe started wearing all that like eye makeup and it yeah. was just getting bizarre um and i and i said from here they sort of lose their cultural relevance so they had hits so like day sleeper is a hit on the next records but they're not they're not as culturally relevant anymore and it's sort of like they kind of they kind of just fall away um, and so that's why I think it's the beginning of the end. Not that the other tracks were bad, but that um, they just never, they just never lived up to to automatic for the people, which they're not going to do, I guess. But they just lose lose their cultural relevance, Coop. They, um, they do. Um, if there's hesitation in my voice, um. But I, I here here's where I was maybe this is where I would have thought, but I kind of can't disagree with this one. So automatic for the people. The the problem I had with automatic for the people is that REM was no longer an underground band with that no. album. They were the underground band. But the problem is that okay, that's not enough to say the the beginning of the end. Uh, they obviously hit it big, right? So I guess I go back and say this is the right pick here. I I think I got agree. This is the right. This because they got. They yeah. got the track What's the Frequency Kenneth on this record, which is a, a great track. Great track. Yeah, I agree. I think this was yeah. And you're but like, yeah, okay, you're... but you could you this is under the this is under the 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 top the, the the this is under the um the theme you can see it coming. Uh-huh. Like you get this album and you're like, uh oh. I don't <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be good after this. You know, and, when, it, and it, yeah. it really doesn't. Yeah. Hang and blame that's the song yeah. I think that ended it for their top forty career. Yeah, it's, it's like okay, I'll go back. This was the right pick. I, I gotta say, this is the right pick. They just get weird, man. They get yeah, and they don't go back to their under like they just like when, once you come out from underground, you can't go back underground. No, that's the problem. I mean, yeah, and that's why I compare it to Radiohead. Like they had, they were that cool counterculture band. They put out OK Computer, which was massive. Yeah, and they just and, and they tried to kind of find their way after that, and they were in a dip, and then they came back out of it. But 
R.E.M. I don't think ever came out of it really. Like Michael Stipe would do like solo stuff and feature stuff, but R.E.M. as a band never really got back to that kind of cultural relevance, which I would say Radiohead did, but they did not. You you know, Dave, I go way back with R.E.M. Right, and when I when a freshman in college and and uh, Fables of the Anonymous Man, yeah, Anonymous. But when Fables comes out, right, Mm. um, to me that was like, I well. That was the ultimate underground album. I mean, it was people were talking about that album on campus. Um, yeah. Like, and no one had really heard of REM other than this was the, they, they, and the album's Fables of the Reconstruction. I know it was a yeah. change in direction, but everyone's saying, wow, how brilliant this underground band comes and puts out Fables of the, of the Reconstruction. And they, they go with this whole Southern Gothic theme. It was, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, by then, but yeah, they were long gone from that by the time this album mm. comes out. You can't go back to being an underground college band after that. That's the problem. No. And so, yeah, as a top 40 or a pop band at that point, which they were, you couldn't go yeah. back to it. Yeah. And they just couldn't sustain that. I mean, yeah. they're sort of searching for a sound on that monster record, I think. And it just didn't. Yeah, it didn't. You know. I, I agree. Yep. Now, you changed this one. I loved this. I love the first. I can, one. This is the album I changed, right? So I saw the I saw your first pick, and I was like, "Oh yeah." So I'm okay. interested to see this one. Yeah, but okay, and this was a tough one, okay? Um, because <laughs> I, I was trying to decide um which is, but I ended up it's the album the the, the band is Van Halen, mm-hmm. and the artist is uh the artist is Van Halen the band the artist is Van Halen the album is Balance. Yep. yep. And I was. Going back and forth between for unlawful colonial knowledge <laughs> and balance, I I settled on balance. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, for unlawful colonial knowledge was a was a kind of a critically panned album. Ooh. Um, yeah. They and the Van Halen fans, while it was popular, the core Van Halen fans didn't like it. I think balance was like the last hurrah. Uh, okay. For this, right? Um, and. But there was thing. This is where a lot of things were happening here. I think everything. And eventually the music, the music didn't quite go with this album because balance is considered by the Van Halen fans. They like it. Okay. But there were things going on. Uh, First up is this is when Sammy started fighting with Alex and Eddie. So, and Mm. they were fighting during the recording of this album. You don't want to do that, by the way. Right, right. And you're not bad career move. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ted Templeman, who I still think did a decent job with foreign lawful colonial knowledge. Was gone. Right, mm. he was, and they brought Bruce Fairburn in. We we talked about it earlier on. Yep. So, I almost think that like, Born Lawful Carnal Knowledge, which has right now on it, right? But it wasn't a great album. I agree, right? Mm. Oh, and no. I think Ted Templeman was the one guy who, in the studio, would go to Eddie. This sucks, right? And he would probably push back on Eddie, you know, and yeah. do that. Ted Temple. So he's gone. Bruce Fairburn, who's had, he's got experience, with, like, uh, you know. With, he's a very hot producer they bring in at the time, but I almost think like he let them do what they want with this, right? Um, you know, and the album sold well, so the album still sold well. But to me, at this point, Van Halen they seem tired, right? It just seemed like a tired album. Um, you know, the song I picked was "Can't Stop Loving You." It was good, but it sounded tired. I mean, this wasn't. Mm. We just didn't have the the you know the fire with the Eddie anymore. Sammy mm. seemed a little like you know out of energy. It, there was no energy, and we all know what happens after this. They fire Sammy Hagar, yeah. and they hire Gary Sharon, who everyone thought was going to be a great fit for Van Halen. 
and it was nope. the it was a colossal disaster. Balance nope. was the last hurrah for Van Halen. We they never recovered from that. Then you know they they debated they're gonna bring in a fourth vocalist. They they try to bring back Sammy. They they bring back David mm. Lee. They, I think they do one more studio oh, album yeah. with David Lee, but it was over at that point. They yeah. never Gary Sharon was they just couldn't recover. But I think the music, like I said, the music was a little tired here, and it it kind of had a hangover into Van Halen three. And on top of that, mm. Gary Sharon, like I didn't see him live. But people I know of Van Halen fans, they said Gary Sharon was awful by the live as a live lead vocalist. <laughs> great with Extreme, he was great. I mean, I thought it was a dream team matchup when they brought him in. Yeah, well, but yeah, but this was the last hurrah for Van Hagar, and that. So, but yeah. that's why I picked this one over for because this one, yes, the songs are tired, but the, I think it was enough to still satisfy Van Halen fans. You know, you know, this is why. Coop is the best, man. Because, like, your average music guy like me is like, oh, yeah, lawful carnal knowledge. Like, that's, like, that's a gimme. That's the slam dunk. Like, everybody knows that's the terrible one. But Coop what? digs deeper. He digs deeper. And that, and you're right in that, like, balance really, when, when, you, when you describe it like that, like, yeah, balance really is the beginning of the end because they can't recover from it at yeah. all. Yeah, if if anything, right now save them on for all love for calling knowledge because it's such a yeah. I yeah yeah I love that yeah. song, um, and but it had fire. But yeah, this one comes like I said. I think people were satisfied, but they weren't like it was clear it was over for Van Halen. Now at this point, it just they didn't have what they didn't. And uh, Ted getting rid of Ted Templeman was had to be the worst. Mo- Again, Bruce nothing against Bruce Fairburn, good producer, but you have a guy who's with you, um. And oh, Ted Templeman was actually gone for a little while. Let me say that because yeah. he was associated with David Lee Roth, but they brought him back, you know, which was good. So, but then when they got rid of him again, that was it. So, I want to make it clear this was the second time they got rid of Ted Templeman, but it, it was probably the most costly. So, it was, uh, see, this is why Coop's on the show, man. He, he doesn't pick the low hanging fruit of unlawful <laughs> carnal knowledge. Yeah, he goes, yeah. he goes deeper. I went with balance on this one. So, this was the oh, album I good. changed. This was the album that's I good. changed. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that pick. No, yeah. you're, you're, I'm converted. Yeah. This is the one I'm going to pick one, on. I'm going to pick on Dave this, with this one. This, this is the is one I didn't be, agree with. Okay. This is divisive. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> this falls into my, this is where we get into the fandom, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of another band like this. Man, because I almost picked Coldplay for this and I didn't, I should have. Um, I'm trying to think of another band like this. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, this is U2 with Octune Baby. And I love this record. It's really good. Right. It's a great record. But this is where you get a dividing line of fans in the U2 sphere. Where you have sort of like your pre-Octune Baby, which is like loved, unforgettable fire. like, And then you have your post. And you have some people that straddle both, but you have your posts that really like the Zuropa pop, sort of that sort of thing, which which like sold massive. So obviously it's not the end of the band. Um, but this, I think a lot of fans like me, like listened up to this album and then were like, nah, and then like didn't continue. Um, so for me, it was the beginning of the end and that I love this record, but it sort of hints at that larger Zuropa pop, like discotheque sound that I did not like um, and I kind of fell off the band after this record 
Uh, now, obviously, the band was not done because they were like massive, <laughs> like sold out everywhere and like made tons of money. Uh, but um, it's sort of like a it's sort of like a before Octoon Baby and an after Octoon Baby. Uh, and some and some fans are like that. And I, and I fall into that category. Um, yeah, I mean, the track I picked is uh, even better than the real thing, Fantastic which is a great. Song. Yeah. Great song. I mean, it's a great record, but it's just those hints of like that discotheque sound and that sort of neon U2 that I just did not like. And so for me, this was like a beginning of the end for me. Here's where I disagreed with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the one I, okay. I agree with everything you have mentioned, but they come back. Yeah, all, yeah. Yeah. With all that you can't leave behind. And then they come back again with How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, which I think is the album of the decade. That's how mm. good an album that is. I was, Dismantle an Atomic Bomb is enormous. I think what killed them was No Line on the Horizon when they literally forced that song mm. on Apple. They it's had a hiatus idea. for a while. Yeah. But I do, that's why I, I just think they went through an experimental phase for a while. I, I get it, right? Yeah. Um, but I think Dismantle an Atomic Bomb was tough to, the top and, and no one on the horizon wasn't a good album on top of that, which I think no. why they pushed it. Right. So that's why I would probably put atomic bomb, but I understand everything you said on this. Um, yeah. I mean, I know for me at the time talking to other YouTube fans that were in the same camp as me, were like, uh Oh, this is not going to go well. And then, and then Zuropa and pop were very divisive records. I yeah. mean, they did very well. Yeah. No, they're I, divisive I, in the fan base. Yeah. No, Surprisingly, how to dismantle an atomic bomb and, and all you can't leave behind did not do the numbers that uh Act Tom Baby did. It was an eight no. million selling record. Those records that I just mentioned were three were four million for all you can't leave behind and three million. So they they did fall down. I would agree they fell down at that point. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, this is where it gets into like the subjective category. Yep. Because it's yep. a totally subjective thing, this one for yep. me anyway. Yep, I I get that. I like your. I mean, some would argue that it was a couple albums before this, but I like your. I like your pick here. Uh, some will, some will. Okay, but uh, I'll 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 kind of make my case here and uh, see if uh, you um, disagree or agree. So, um, the artist of the Rolling Stones, um, mm-hmm. and the album is Tattoo You. Um, it had it had an epic song in in Start Me Up, and I think it's the last yeah. epic song that the Rolling Stones would do. There were a couple yeah. of other hits on this, right? But this album, again, you want to talk about a band getting tired? They they <laughs> were getting tired, okay? Um, so again, looking at the chronology beforehand, um, they they do um some girls. All right, which is the follow-up album to uh, to to Black and Blue, which Black and Blue I don't think was a great album, right? No. Um, some girls ha- get they kind of change a bit. They put this kind of funky disco sound on it. They do it again with Emotional Rescue, but I think the last hurrah was was this album, right? And if you look at this album from what I looking at this, um, the first thing is this is when the beginnings of the Jagger Richards feud was starting during this mm. time. Um, and on top of that, um, the album 
they, they this was a lazy album for the most part. It, it didn't really have <laughs> yeah. new material. They were using outtakes from other recording sessions. They were picking back up old songs. They were overdubbing stuff. It showed, right? Because this wasn't mm. the best album. Although Start Me Up was, like I said, the last great Rolling Stones song that came out. Yeah. Um, and you can argue, I know some people will say one hit to the body and you know, stuff, but, but, but I'm going to yeah. say again, this was, this was the beginning of the end here. Then they come out with an album after this undercover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is absolute. I mean, it is absolutely, uh, forgettable. Uh, is all I got to say. 1983. Um, it, it just, uh, and they did do new recordings on it and, uh, I mean, they, they put it, and this is where they did try to adopt some things like reggae and new wave, but it just didn't work. Uh, you, you could just, you know, it was, it was a week, like they did a good job with some girls incorporating the funk and the disco type of style. And, but this, mm. this undercover, it did not work. They were tired. They needed a break, but, uh, but that, yeah, I would say tattoo you is the, was the beginning of the end for the wrong. As far as studio musicians go. As far as being a studio band, they obviously for four decades have been a great worldwide touring band. But look at their look at their catalog of songs they've performed live since since uh, in the last forty years, and and there's very few songs yes. from that afterwards. Um, so uh, you know, a couple like I said, they that you see in there, but yeah, this was this was it for them. I mean, Dojo would argue there's no beginning to end. Oh, he would actually argue that. <laughs> but Start Me, Start Me Up is a great, great song. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for me, like, I, I mean, everything you say is, 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 is full on. Yeah. Uh, like you said, they reemerged with with Steel Wheels. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I would, I mean, for me, it's almost like Exile on Main Street in '72. You could go way. You know, you can argue that one. You can argue that one because certainly. Because I don't know if they really, I, I get, know what you're like saying. The creativity is sort of gone. You know, has, but I can, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of moments they had after that, but you could make that argument. I wouldn't disagree with you on that one because you know, after Exile on Main Street, it was pockets after that. Yeah, and then, well, I agree I, with what you're saying. Like, this yeah, is the, I mean, this is the last big hit. Some Girls was a pretty, pretty popular album, at least. Yeah. It got a lot of airplay in New York. It was playing in the dance clubs even because, you know, again, it had that, you know, um, it had that, that you know, Miss You was just that synth beat that you had in there. Uh, emotional, same thing. But, yeah, um, I guess I looked at it as the last great Rolling Stones song was, was Start Me Up. And No, I agree with that. I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, that's how I look. But, yeah, I could see the point we make on Exile on Main Street, too. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, uh, Sergio would or, – uh, or... Dojo would say, "What what beginning to end? Like I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. No, that's it. I, I agree yeah. with that. But yeah, I I say I guess for me, I would go a little bit earlier. But I mean, it's you're sort of splitting hairs at that point, really. Yep. Because we're both we're both saying the same thing that really after that sort of creative outburst where you got exile and you got sticky fingers and you got let it bleed. Yeah. Beggar's banquet. I mean, and then sort of after that, it's sort of like. It kind of runs its runs its course, yep. I guess. Um, I have a similar thing with I got my last one is Rage Against the Machine, the battle for Los Angeles. Oh, go on. Um, this so they had a huge self titled record, an even bigger record, Evil Empire, and when those came out, they were so different. We were like, oh, this is where music's headed, and a couple bands were sort of doing the like punk rock hip hop thing as well, and you're like, okay. 
But then Coop, it just that that sound never took off. Never took off. Yeah, it just never did. Yeah, um, really. You had these big albums, but it never really got going. And then, sort of by that time, Lilith Fair, the the woman singer songwriter sound, and that sort of more, I guess, pop folk sound became really big with like your Dave Matthews and stuff like that. Your sort of jam band, which Coop's a big lover of the jam band. That that sound sort of took over, and this sound never went anywhere. And and they come out with this record, and it just doesn't do anything. Um, yeah. it's sort of like with Aerosmith; they just it just they couldn't they couldn't evolve, and it just sounded like it just sounded dated. It just wasn't relevant anymore. Um, and it's sort of like this album, Battle for Los Angeles. After this, like Zach leaves, and the band just sort of like stops. I mean, they've talked about doing. They, they, rene- to- they did Renegades, but yeah. That was- yeah, but it never really. Zach was gone by then. Yeah, it never really did much, though, did it? You know, I mean. Yeah, it sold well. I remember Renegades sold well, and then the sales tanked. Because yeah. everyone, after Battle of Los Angeles. After they heard it. There was yeah. enough to get people to go out and get Renegades, but then that was it. I mean, they were, they, I don't think they it did another just- studio. I don't think that, that was the last album they did was Renegades. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it definitely was the beginning of the end. This was a, this was an easy pick, yeah. It was, but it's, but it's sort of what was at the time. Like you know, it's easy to say now. And the and the track I picked is Gorilla Radio. Yeah, a good, um, track, a good track as well. And at, I mean, at the time, you're like, oh, this is where music's going. This is where, and, and it never did. Yeah. Which is which is really interesting because both of those albums they did did really well, and you're like, oh, we're gonna see music change to this, sort of like it did with um, grunge, but it never did. And they just couldn't, they just couldn't adapt to that. Yeah. Um, and, and it just sort of like went boop, and then and then done. So I mean, so what are your what are your uh, final thoughts here, Cooper? You know, I went through this, and I was very '80s heavy with a little bit of '90s heavy, and I'm still trying to figure out how that happened, right? But you know, it what it seemed like those decades were such there was such upheaval in music, um, mm-hmm. that ultimately things changed a lot. Uh, the music business changed a lot. So I was definitely heavy on that. I don't know if I want to be heavy on that next time, but there were a lot of crash and burns for artists during those decades. You know, artists yeah. that were used to having, you know, success suddenly were struggling a bit. Suddenly you, know, didn't. You, go, yeah. you go again, Rolling Stones weren't doing well in the eighties. Um, the Bee Gees kind of stalled, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac completely falls apart. Blondie falls apart. You know, it's it, it. So there were there was a lot of low hanging fruit in the eighties. It seemed like to, 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 in the nineties to to tackle this. So, yep. um, you know, I definitely like I said, I think there's a lot of fact. I mean, some of the factors, and we could come up with easy another ten to do this. Um, uh, and we can argue where it should be, but ultimately, I think we're not far apart on those things. So, um, yep. a like I said, really interesting exercise to go through because I had to dig. Not just with the music, but beyond the music with it sometimes. And uh uh really really enjoyed this a lot. It was this was a very fun exercise to go through. Yeah, it was uh it was great. I mean, I love talking about this and I could come up with another like ten. Yeah. Yep. Really. And I think and I and I and I put I like the dividing line records. Like I think the Metallica record is another dividing line record. Um the one that came out, the black album. It was uh, it was, and I think ultimately that's why it lost last year to Nirvana. I mean, they, they sold made, a lot, but they, it was a dividing line. You, yeah, yeah. So there's some of those, and Octune Baby's sort of a dividing line record. You kind of have these dividing line records. Yeah, I mean, 
I agree. I agree. I there mean, was a lot of those, yeah. With with uh with uh with Van Halen it would be like when they didn't have when they went from Hagar or from Roth to Hagar. They they yeah, they divide, yeah, and that that worked for them. Yeah. Um that worked for them. It was But you have it, your whole like like Van Hagar and, and, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a big dividing line. I mean, it comes up all the time. Uh, you know, I tend to really like the Hagar era because I was a, when Hagar, when I found Hagar was going to Van Halen, again, I was thrilled, but I don't discredit the David Lee Roth era at all. Yeah. Um. So, you know, but um, I, I actually think ultimately Hagar leaving was a bad thing for them. Mm. If they could have found a way to get it, but that was. Yeah, but uh, you're right. That's a fifty-one fifty is a dividing line album for sure. Um, you know, there are other artists I didn't put on here that we probably will do, so I don't want to mention them. But there's a Ooh. there's a there's a couple. You know, because I want to save that for another show. But I'm sure we can all come up with those artists. Uh, oh yeah, with that, and it makes it you know, it makes it a lot easier to do. And you know, it's harder. It was harder to do this with like fifties and sixties artists. Did you notice? Like I yeah. was trying to look yeah. at that. That was tough because albums were just so different back then. Um, and they were doing so many albums. You know, you, I mean, do you might al- be you do able two, to do yeah. it with you might be able to do it with Elvis, possibly. Yeah, I, I was looking at but, Aretha, but then who's who and who was a monster? For, I mean, you could have yeah. made maybe Aretha would have been one, right? But but you're right. I mean, they're putting out so many records, yeah, that it's it's sort of hard, yeah. Then there was a couple where I pulled them out because they sold well in other parts of the world. Um, yeah. Although I like I said I did keep uh I did keep in there um Brian Adams but mm. you know like like uh I'll mention it George Michael you know after he had some yeah. he had some success in Europe for many years so oh yeah 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 so I, I kind of made judgment calls on some of these basically I, I admit, a little inconsistent but I kind of made a judgment call on some of that yeah I mean I think with a lot of our bands except for those sort of Divine Line records it was like after that record the band was kind of done like yeah. the band was done. Yeah. Um Oh, loved it. Yep, that was good. Long um, show. We did a long show, but it was good. Yeah. <laughs> new music coop. One of these new one of these this bonus track you're really gonna enjoy. Oh I know. I yeah, I was, I was thrilled to see it. Um yeah, so new music, of course, sponsored by Cigar Hustler. Um um again, located in Deltona, Florida. Great store, great customer service, great selection, uh great human or everything you want, uh great staff. So great place to go to in Deltona, Florida. It's right off I-4, uh, which is the main highway through Central Florida. You can't get there. Um, you want to do two things. You want to get on their email list, uh, and you want to subscribe to them on social media. They drop a lot of limited stuff, uh, announcements through email and now through social media. And you will have a chance to get uh, some cigars very quickly um, by keeping an eye on that. And you want to move fast when it happens. Don't, don't do a slow job. Uh, of course, check out the Postani brand, uh, which is great cigars, including the number four cigar of the year, uh, the War Bear. Um, and of course, um, check out the A Cigar Hustlers podcast, uh, which is probably the most unique podcast out there. Um, they will tell you it's the number one podcast out there, but it's a very good podcast, is what I'm going to say. So, so uh, we'll just kind of go with that. Uh, but uh, Dave, what do you got for new music this week? Well, first we could talk about our cigars because I got mine at. I just finished, yeah. And I finished the uh, the Fosforo. Very good cigar. I I think I like the sixty better. Um, very meaty cigar. You get some of that sweetness. I think you get more of the sweetness on the sixty, which is probably why I like it more. But very good, very good cigar. 
Yeah. Um, I had the. I just finished it up. I just kind of got to the end of it here. Uh, the Lord of Oz. Uh, in the uh, the twenty twenty one edition of it. Uh, it, it's a. You know, it's mostly. Uh, but I didn't talk about the blend. It's mostly a lot of Ecuadorian tobacco on it. Um, but it's got. You get there's some Nicaraguan tobacco as well as some uh, Colombian tobacco in the blend. Um, and it, the, I think that Nicaraguan tobacco brings a little bit of Nicaraguan flair to a Dominican gut cigar and an Ecuadorian gut cigar. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's Dominican in the filler too. Uh, but it's it's unique for La Aurora. It's got a nice sweetness to it. Uh, balances sweetness and spice perfect with this cigar. Uh, great construction. Uh, really an, uh, an enjoyable cigar. Um, you know, La Aurora does great stuff. This is another great one. Uh, music. So side A, I have Feist with Enlightening. Yes. Um, this is off a new record, Multitudes. Uh, the last big hit really from Feist was one, two, three, four in two thousand seven. Right. Uh, she's put out music since then, but I think this is quite a textured and layered record. Uh, I think we'll put her back on the map. I think this song will make some lists. Um, it's a very interesting song. Uh, so check that out. Side B. The National and Phoebe Bridgers with uh, Your Mind Is Not Your Friend. Uh, this is a single ahead of their new record, which they're just putting out all these singles. They put out the record already. Um, very dark, very great song. I love this song. Um, so check it out. I have a review on the site for this song. And the bonus track, which I also have a review on. Yes, you do. For Coop, man. Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I saw the review out there. Uh, it's off of their Lost EP, which just came out. Um, great synth with a bit of darkness. It's very sort of dark themes. Um, the vocal is just amazing. Vocal is on point. Um, rest of the EP is kind of hit and miss for me, but this is classic Pet Shop Boys. This is like, you know, very great, like kind of the the, the pinnacle of like synth pop, really. Uh, this song, so it's it's kind of it's classic Pet Shop Boys, the first track, and it's just a great track. Making the I, making the list for me. I think you nailed the review, by the way, with this. Perfect. Um, I did really like the e the EP. Okay, I was much yeah. higher on the EP. However, if you are not a longtime Pet Shop Boy, like if you like, I'm much more into mm. the Pet Shop. It appeals to me more. I can see where where you came from with this. Um. Mm. But I, I think it's potential. The only reason why this won't be on my album list, uh, EPs. I usually got to have a minimum of yeah. six songs. I got to have six songs. That's true. That's so true. it won't, it won't be on my list. But, but I did, and but I think you nailed it. This was a really, really mm. good song. Uh, it's Great song. It was definitely um, a good. But you know, the other song, and I just want to pull up, make sure I get the name of this right. That I really liked on on this EP um, was. Uh, let me. I got to pull it up. I'm sorry, Dave. Um, because Sorry, is it the uh, last one? No, it wasn't the last one. Um, because it's the one. The problem is, I just again, I'm still trying to remember the names of this. This is a new album for me. Um, but I know it's the fourth track. Oh, okay. Uh, it is. Uh, the song is. I'm just pulling it up. Uh, Kaputnik. Okay. Uh, which actually is interesting. It was a, it was the least played one of it, but I like Kaputnik a lot. Mm. Uh, but it is a little, some of those other songs. It's a little bit different, like. If you want that classic uh, Euro disco dancey mm. synth that you're looking for, uh, Lost Room is definitely it. I think it's gonna be another big hit for them. Mm. Um, 
Living in the Past was the other one, which is actually the one that's getting the most play. Mm. Uh, but I, I but Kaputnik was the one I liked. So oh, yeah, and I thought it was it's... similar with a similar vibe to that Lost Room. Um, the other one you mentioned, the the Pet Shop Boys from time to time, they do put this darkness into their songs, right? Mm. They they don't do doom, but it's not doom and gloom like Phil Collins is the difference. Like what we talking yeah. about, yeah. So they do a good job with that. This was a, a good. You did a great. If you haven't checked out Dave's review, Thank be sure you. to check that one out. Yeah, great record. You nailed that. We nailed that. Perfect. Yeah, great, great track. Song. Good. Yep. Good to see some Pet Shop Boys love from you, Dave. Hey man, we're gonna we're gonna great song. Yeah, you're it's gonna get song. them. You're gonna have to work on them for a comfort zone show at some point. Yes, so. right. Because there's some really good Pet Shop Boys music over the years. Oh, I'm sure there that, is. that you will find. That, yeah, because oh, if you like that track, I could probably find about twenty other tracks you'll like from them. Yeah, love that track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll mark algae homework. So the national, um, if you like the song with Phoebe Bridgers, uh, they do like a the record. I am easy to find. Uh, Matt, the lead singer, does a lot of duets on that record uh, with different women artists. So uh, it, it gives the, the sound a bit of fresh air. So if you like his duet with Phoebe Bridgers, you might want to check that album out because yep. he does a lot more duets with that record. Yep. And that's it, Coop. That's all I got. All right. That's all I got, too. I know it's a long show, but we had a lot to cover here. Mm. Um. So, yeah, thanks to you. Thanks to our audience. Uh, You'll want to stay tuned when the next show is going to be. We'll We'll make that announcement shortly. Um, but yeah, stay tuned on that. Um, and uh, by the way, just to wrap it up, uh, because we while we right before we went on the air, we did find out that uh, Aaron Rodgers got traded to the Jets. So he did. Uh, yeah, so we'll mention that to just close out the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll have a lot more. I'm sure Surgeon's gonna have a lot to talk sure about. Surgeon's as well. gonna have a lot more. Yep, yep. They love their Green Bay pet quarterbacks over there at the. Yep. We'll Jets, see how Matt yeah. Lafleur does now with uh, Jordan Love. So we'll see what happens. See how good. <laughs> let's see how good a quarterback guru he is. This could be a good test for, oh, for man. Matt Lafleur. Yeah. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Yep. So uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about with that with Surgeon. <laughs> yeah. In an upcoming show. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up primetime jukebox 95 into the annals of history for this late September edition. Uh, we'll catch everybody uh, next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>